Hello and welcome to the Andyplex. I'm your host, Andy Majorano, and this is episode 20, No Time to Podcast. Wow, we've made it to 20 episodes. This is a landmark moment. Today, we will be discussing No Time to Die or Bond 25, the final piece for Daniel Craig as Bond over his 15-year, five-film tenure beginning with 2006's Casino Royale. I've loved Bond since I was about 11 when TBS would play 13 Days of 007. And I remember running home every day after school and watching everything I could. But I started running the films from West Coast Video in Wilmington, Delaware in around, call it 95 or so. And I remember getting a copy of Goldfinger on VHS as my 12th birthday gift in uh, would have been January 3rd, 1996. Then I remember my older cousin Vince taking me to see GoldenEye in the theater in 1996. And yeah, game over. Fan for life. Bond's cool. Bond's exciting. It pushes the action spy genre. And well, it's just awesome. Today's guest is filmmaker and film student. We're all students of, of life, I suppose. But uh, LA Film School student. He's currently enrolled right now. Mr. Paul Gonzalez. Welcome, Paul. Gonzalez. Paul Gonzalez. Thank you, Andy. Good to be here. Paul, thank you so much for being here, taking time out of your very busy schedule. I know you're a student, uh, and you're also a newly crowned father. Father. You have a bambino. Indeed, I do. A bambina. Bambina. That's right. Leona. I forgot to conjugate. Leona. Wow, that is a beautiful name. Thank you. It was my grandmother's name. Oh, wow. Okay, that was, gonna, that was, that was my follow-up question. Leona Josephine. Her middle name is my wife's middle name, uh, grandmother's name. Oh, really? Gotcha. There you go. Incorporating all the uh, yeah, lineage there. God, these people are dead. No, just yes, kidding. R.I.P. Uh, grandmothers. Yeah, R.I.P. to all the grandmothers. Um, I miss mine, that's for sure. Anyway, uh, Paul, you are a massive film buff, and uh, we've become fast friends over the last few months. We just met you, what, over the summer, last summer, 2021? You just got to L.A., right? Indeed I did. How long have you been here now? Four or five uh, months? We moved July 1st. July 1st. I mean, you are fresh off the boat, sir. Fresh off the boat. You are uh, <laughs> fresh. Um, so, yeah, you're a massive film buff, and uh, I quickly found out that you're a massive Bond fan as soon as we started hanging out. And I was blown away by your Bond awareness. I know you're a humble man and you don't want to be using words like expert. But you know what? I go as far to say as you're an expert. And I love Bond. I, I've seen them all. Um, I, I, love, I love the franchise. But your knowledge, I think, is deeper and richer than mine even. So uh, congrats. Thank you, Andy. <laughs> uh, it's really easy to be knowledgeable in something so rich and such an amazing history and I mean, who are we kidding? This this is an enduring character. It's a character that's survived so many things. I know. Uh, listening to you talk about your first experiences in the theater, those are my first experiences. Probably a lot of the reason I'm in filmmaking now is because of Bond. Wow. Um, there it is. Yeah. Awesome. There it is. And I got little, little, oh, little you goosebumps, yeah. my friend. Ladies and gentlemen, I can see them. <laughs> Goose flash. Right through your tattoo there. Oh, just the amazingness. Um, movie magic, man. Movie magic. Movie magic. Yes. Uh, Bond is so very, very special, and I'm so glad we're, we're doing this episode. And I know Daniel Craig is now retired as Bond <sighs> and uh, also retired as a human being in the franchise because he is gone. <laughs> but anyway, 
I can't wait to unpack Bond with you, um, and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a blowout. But first things first, I want to talk about you, your journey, your story. Uh, you are a really interesting guy. You are currently enrolled in the LA Film School, right? Yes, I am. Uh, what are you studying exactly? Uh, well, it's an immersion program. I'm going for uh, the bachelor's in film production, which is kind of a broad term. As you can imagine, it covers a lot of things. What the school likes to do is give you a chance, you know, give you a year to kind of figure out what your disciplines are. Uh, I don't want to date myself, but um, I'm, I, my first James Bond movie was Octopussy in the theaters, and that was 1983. 83, yeah. And wow. I was 10 years old, so you do the math on that. So I, I can't do it. That's, <laughs> no math. No my math, math this is, isn't a math uh, podcast. I think I have a calculator app on this computer. Let's see. I don't know. Well, what I'm getting at is um, the school likes to give you a year to kind of figure out what your discipline would be. Um, you get a little bit of everything. It's an immersion program. We learn about editing. We learn about cinematography, production design, art direction, sound mixing, you name it. Mm, all the stuff. Uh, me being a little older, I already kind of know what I want to do. Um, I'm an editor. I enjoy editing. I think it's the most interesting phase of the storytelling process. Mm. Um, it's really where it comes together. Yeah. It's really where the movie really takes shape. And it's just so versatile. I mean, it, you can make five different versions of the same thing. It's so exciting. It's true. You're right. <laughs> you know, one, one cut changes, changes, can change the whole, the whole thing. It's, it's like manipulating quantum realities. It's, it's, I, I love editing as well. I don't do it enough. Um, what are you cutting on? Uh, Avid was it? Avid. Yeah, Avid. Is there any other program? <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm an Adobe guy. I used to be Final Cut, and then they they shat the bed, and now I'm uh, now I'm Final Cut. But um, I'm sorry, now I'm uh, Adobe. But I hear the way to go is Avid for like really the hardcore stuff. It you is know, it the allows industry you, standard. It's the industry standard. There you go. All right. Well, uh, what brought you to LA specifically? Why? Uh, so you just got here. That's not even six months ago. Mm-hmm. Um. You'd lived here before or I lived here in the 90s. You lived here in the 90s, okay. Uh, My story with filmmaking starts there. Oh, okay. Um, But let's just say I wasn't the most disciplined individual in the world. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And life took me in other directions and I wasn't able to finish. Uh, I tried Chapman. Uh, Oh, yeah, right. They didn't accept me, so I went to a class in UCLA and um, actually went to the L.A. Film School in 2002. Okay. And washed out uh, again. Not the most disciplined individual in the world. The year Die Another Day came out. (laughs) Tying it back into That's how I, uh, you know, mark my life is what Bond films (laughs) came out that year. And if you know anything about that movie, it it is very over the top. So um, let's just say that's how I was living. It's it's a romp for sure. (laughs) So I came back to uh, just kind of finish what I started would be the easiest. Okay, got it, got Um, it. You're originally a Cali native? I lived, I was born in Santa Clara, California. You were born in Santa Clara, which All right. is northern Silicon Valley. Gotcha. That's not too far from here. Uh, the setting for A View to a Kill. Oh, nice, Roger Moore, <laughs> baby. That's hilarious. I, yeah. yeah, that's true. Wow. Um, man, so all right. So you said I wanna, I wanna come back. I wanna get a film degree. Do you have? Um, I know everyone asks you like, what do you want to be when you grow up or whatever. I'm obviously, uh, it's a tough question to ask. You know, or answer. But is there one kind of path you see yourself? You said you love editing. You want to be an editor. Do you want to be a director? 
uh, or, or do it all? Just as long as I'm satisfying myself creatively and I mm. can feel good about what I do and, um, yeah. and I can be a person of integrity when it comes to that, um, creatively and, and, you know, just as a, as a person, as a man, uh, not to get too philosophical, but that's yeah. very important to me. That's amazing. Uh, we talked about my little, my little daughter, um, I can't really tell her to follow her dreams if I'm not following my own, right? <laughs> there you go. That's kind of what it yeah, really yeah. boils down Lead to. by example, right? There we go. Um, well, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, and I've, I've seen your work already. Um, actually, you cast me in a 48-hour Oh, you did such a great job. Project. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, you did a great job cutting it. Um, thank you, man. That was, that was a crazy day. We were right on the street there. We were, uh, it was about a guy who misses the bus and... Uh, it's kind of like running down the street and I don't know, the camera was in the street at one point and you know um but yeah i was really impressed with you guys and uh, i know i know it was kind of a first outing for a lot of these folks um involved but yeah man i thought uh you guys were awesome and um maybe you'd like to explain to your listeners what a 48 hour project is oh yes right <laughs> yeah there you go i just assume my, my listeners are so smart they, they're, they're smarter they're than i am savvy actually. they're savvy so savvy you guys are so savvy so yeah, uh, forty-eight hour project. They're often in festivals where I did a, a bunch in Albuquerque actually, and uh, I have a lot of memories of not sleeping uh, for a few days, and um, so that was kind of not fun. But uh, yeah, you you literally get forty-eight hours um, from the time you are given your assignment, or you're given you know you have to make a movie about this using this prop or, or this catchphrase or or this location, and you get broken up into teams, and then uh, and then you go through the motions from writing to shooting to editing. So uh, I know you and you cut you cut the thing and it was really funny and it was very um, kind of homage. Speaking of Chaplin, homage to Charlie Chaplin and <laughs> Buster Keaton kind of and um, we made it black and white and the music was very, that you ended up using was very you know of that era uh, kind of ragtimey and uh, it was really fun, man. Um, so we've already made a movie together. Yeah. And I've since gotten a couple scripts from you that you've uh, sent. And uh, you're an awesome writer. Thank you're you. really you, good at dialogue, which I, I actually struggle with. Um, you know, I always get it in the end after several rewrites, and then uh, you know, and then it changes when the actor delivers it differently. But uh, I really find <laughs> your characters to be really grounded, and I find like from what I've read of yours already, it's very character focused, which I think is really important. You know, plot's cool and all, but if the character isn't there, then the plot really doesn't matter. If you don't care about the people you're 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 in, that are inviting you into their world, it doesn't matter. All the plot in the world, I agree completely. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so yeah, man, I'm excited to see what Mr. Paul Gonzalez will be cooking up here in the future. I just got a script from you called Songbird. Uh, is it are too, we going to talk? Is about it too Songbird? early to talk about Songbird? <laughs> no, 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 no. And no, I think no. I might have uh, landed myself apart <laughs> in this bad you don't boy. You have to audition, buddy. It's yours. Aww. it's yours. Thank you. Well, yeah, it's really funny and. Uh, it has a kind of a Tarantino-y edge to it, I thought, where, which was like really fun with the characters talking to each other and ranting about coffee. And uh, and you're a big <laughs> coffee guy, so I, I, I see a lot of your uh, yourself in it and Thank your you. influences. I'm really excited for for your future, sir. So, listeners, uh, the next time you hear me on this podcast, hopefully, we'll talk more about Songbird. Um, yeah, I'm excited after about the it. big day, after the big red carpet debut. I'm gonna dress <laughs> up. I'm gonna wear a tux. Speaking of just like <laughs> Bob, James Bond. Well, um, was there a moment in time? I asked my guests, my guests, this question. All the guests. Uh, is there a moment in time where you're like, I want to go into film? Was there like a, a, a seminal landmark moment when it just clicked? 
or was it a slow burn of watching movies your whole life and always wanting to go that route or that's an interesting question that because yeah. I, I think it is a series of moments um, I can't really put my finger on one thing but I know I always wanted to know how it was done mm-hmm. um, get under the hood get under the hood there's that that it always felt so make believe um, I guess it was it was I, I'm, I'm remembering the 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 musical Popeye Oh, Robin Williams. Was that 1980? I think it was 80 or 81, and I yeah, saw yeah. it on HBO. Shelley Duvall and... Uh, Robin Williams. And Robin the Williams. great Robin yeah. Williams. The great. The late great. I think it was that, and I remember um, they built... I remember reading somewhere that they built a whole city. The, the set was mm. a whole city. Um, and I just always wanted to know how they did it, man. Uh, yeah. What was going on behind everything. It always right. seemed like such uh, you know, smoke and mirrors. As you said, the movie Magic... Movie and you have a massive DVD collection, uh, one that is still growing to this day, and uh, amazing collection. And I, I'm sure you've watched all the bonus features for everything. I mean, I know that you're doing that. I can just virtually know. everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So your hunger for uh, getting under the hood and, and seeing how the magic plays out is, uh, I, I'm I'm always fascinated by it too. In camera effects are fascinating. Mm. Just the things that you can do. Love the practical um, stuff. The practical stuff. Love it. We yeah. used to make squibs with a fishing line where you would fill a plastic bag with fake blood and then super glue the fishing line with a tear in your shirt. And then somebody off camera yanks the fishing line and it goes. And it yeah. Goes, oh, I oh, do that. Yeah, react to the shot. You know? Right. That's that's awesome. Yeah. My first bunch of movies in college um, with my now partner in crime, Brian Strat. We have no brow together. The YouTube channel that we make sketches and shorts. But. He was like he was subscribe. like and subscribe. <laughs> he was exactly. Thank you for the plug. Uh, he was uh, always doing blood squibs and stuff like that. And we were like, any excuse to just have blood was oh. was always you know that was pretty much our driving engine. I think it kind of still is. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tied into Bond, I think I I got under the the under the backside of my father's car with a can of spray paint. Oh, sprayed the paint backwards. To make it look like a smoke screen oh, yeah, coming out of the it. back of the car. Oh, wow. And I got paint all over the back of my dad's car. Oh, I was in oh, so much trouble. Was he not happy? <laughs> uh, I, it was probably James Bond's fault, actually. Yeah, you're like, it's not my fault. It's James Bond's fault. Right. Take it up with M. I saw it in the movies, Dad. Yeah. I don't know. I, I had so many moments like that with my parents where they were, like, pissed. But then they were like, well, he's being creative, though. And, exactly. Uh, you know, exactly. it's not just, like, wrecking stuff for the sake of wrecking stuff. There was plenty of that, too, but... <laughs> Yeah, whatever. I was like, oh, they're, they're really demonstrating their, uh, their their intellect here and their creative, you know. Abilities. At least he's not out there smoking that dope. Smoking that, <laughs> smoking that wacky tobacco. Smoking that evil dope. Yeah. Oh man. So that's cool. So when was your? Do you remember your like your very first movie? Did you have like a camcorder? Or, you know, my or, cat got abducted by aliens. Your cat got abducted of by. Of course. Oh no! Did you get him back? He still hasn't come back. No. Uh, I think it he's was still out there. About twelve years old, like a. Panasonic palm quarter, and you know, oh yeah, right. The shot of me with the cat in my lap, and you stop, and then somebody takes the cat away, and then you roll again right. and react, and yeah, oh, yeah, the where teleport. Did go? Yeah, oh my god, I did so much of that. Yeah. I know you're a big Star Trek fan too, so we would do like beaming. Oh, that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah, that's a whole nother. <laughs> yeah, Paul, Paul's a massive Trek fan, and I'm I'm out of the closet Trek obsessed, as you all know. Oh. But uh, oh yeah, you just listened to the first Contact podcast with I Adam. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you so much. That man knows his stuff. Adam is he really does an expert. The love comes a through. A expert. 
Yeah. We'll have to do one with the three of us at some point. You used a term, and I could tell you were really enjoying using it. What was it? Future, past future, or future past? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> humanities. Oh, yeah. Um, what is it? Darn it, I forget. Um, I just love saying oh, Future that. history. Future history. Yeah, future oh. history. Kind of an oxymoron. Uh, In the past, the future is the past. That's the future. Oh, that really, it's a mind job there. Oh, man. So, um, do you have a favorite movie? A favorite movie of all I, time? I don't always ask this question. That's um, a tough one. Yeah, it's really hard. Um, and I'm blindsiding you with it right now. And you cannot answer. It's fine. I actually don't like this question. And I don't know why I'm asking you. Because when people ask me, I'm like, oh, well. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is Seven, for some reason. Seven? David Fincher. Great film. Crime thriller. The crime thriller. Yeah, it's really good. It encapsulates so many things all at once. It's so many things on so many mm. levels. Um, I love that. It's an amazing piece of writing. It's an amazing character piece. And it's just a good cop movie. I yeah. always love down and dirty cop movies, you know? Getting it in the nitty gritty. Uh, investigating. Saw it when I was 20 years old. And uh, I just thought it was great. What was that, 90, 95? Something like that. Yeah, it just turned 25 last year. If you asked me yesterday, I'd have said something else. So you did slightly yeah. blindside me, but oh boy, is it hard to pick a favorite. Yeah, it is really tough. Um, was there a movie that you saw that, I guess you were saying Popeye, huh? Uh, that really woke you up to filmmaking. Yeah. It was Popeye, huh? That's great. That's that's an interesting choice. Well, I don't know how I much you it. know about that film, but that all nothing. the... I know nothing. Uh, I've seen the, it, but The that's Fishing it. Town was a bit... I think it still stands today. The set, I think people actually live there. And everything, oh, wow. everything, was, the, the, everything was transparent. It was almost like a stage play because they built the entire little town where... The oils and where Wimpy lives and all Bluto and all that stuff. They built the whole town. Mm -hmm. Who directed that movie? I can't remember. Robert it was Altman. Altman. Yeah. Robert Altman. Yeah. Built the whole town and just wow. shot a movie in it. So they didn't have to. Blocking must have been a, a dream. Um, yeah. You just, just 360. All on location. You know? Yeah. All on location. <laughs> must have been a dream. Yeah. A lot of stuff on the wharf there. And for whatever reason, when I, I, I saw that, while I had some sort of tie-in, like a, like a Starlog magazine or a, or a mm, Cinefax Starlog. type of thing, where I could look and go, oh, this is it. And oh my God, they built the whole place and it just ignited my imagination. Yeah. How did they do that? How many other times have they done that? What right. do they do instead of that? You know? Yeah. I know you start thinking about every film, like um, the, the process. The mind of a nine-year-old is just so, you know, okay, so when they're shooting in an elevator, how do they get the camera in there? You know, that kind of right. thing. Right, yeah. <laughs> then you realize they take a wall out. And then you know, I remember when I was a kid, I just thought it was real. It I was just, all real, right? I just right? thought I was watching, like, a documentary. I thought it. it was all in chronological order. Yeah, too. it just happened, and they just happened to record it. Like <laughs> They shoot the end of a movie first? What? Yeah, I remember the first time I heard that, too. I was yeah. like, what? That didn't make no sense to me as a fun. kid. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Um, so how is school going? You like you liking it? It's a little early to call it. Yeah, um, yeah. This is your first semester, right? Or This is my first semester. Yeah. We're coming up on the end of it. Um, cool. And as we speak, we're in a pandemic. I don't know how much you talk about the pandemic. Oh, we we do address the, the war. The pando. Against the, the germs. <laughs> the pando. The pando. Pandomonium. Um, well, so in, in that regard, it's interesting because there's not... Um, a lot of in-person, as much in-person stuff as I would like. Right. Um, a lot of our classes, the lectures, the quizzes, the midterms, all that stuff is all on Zoom. Yeah. Um, not to editorialize too much about that, but I don't learn that way myself. 
So, yeah. The short answer is it's going good. The long answer would be I'm pretty burned out on Zoom. Yeah, I know. And uh, I think we were all burned out on Zoom after like the fourth family get together on Zoom last yeah. year, oh, and I, and then it was like the next, like Easter came around again, and everyone's like, we're not doing that again. <laughs> it's just so. Can you hear me? Is this mic on? You're muted. Ugh. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, I. I, I actually I remember I was skipping Thanksgiving last year and I, I got some flack from the fam. I'm sorry guys. I just <laughs> I just couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. Don't take it personal. It's, it's yeah, not it's you not you. Zoom. It's it's me and Zoom. But when it in a in an intellectual in a educational type environment, it's really hard. I understand it's hard on the instructors. It's hard on the institution. They want to keep going. Um, right. Yeah. Um, but to be honest, it's, it's, it's amazing that we get to keep going and, and you know, yeah. it's a technological advantage that we have. Um, I know. Just think uh, the last pandemic, you know, a hundred years ago, I mean, there was no zoom. What did people do then? <laughs> we're, I know we're, we're like bitching and moaning about zoom and being tired of it, but it, it really is. Uh, it, I've been actually writing with my dad, uh, John Majorano, who's, we wrote a script together, um, about 12 years ago and we're revising it right now over zoom and it's great. It's it's really cool. Um, I have you know I have final draft up and and uh, it's like he's in the room with me. It's it's really cool, and we both are looking at it. So I mean it's there's an advantage, but yeah, getting whole classes and especially filmmaking. Yeah, at some point you got to get your hands dirty and you got to get in there and um, there's only so much you can learn. Um, something that you a person is so passionate about, and I want to have a discussion and a, a back right. and forth. And there's an energy, there's a music to a classroom that you don't really get over Zoom. It's a two dimensional space. Right, uh, you're compressing a 3D space into a 2D space. We well are. said. Thank you. That's a very filmmaker uh, analysis. I learned of it. Of you. Uh, I learned it on Zoom. They are teaching. <laughs> yeah, you learned it on Zoom. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, cool, man. Well, uh, is there anything else you want to talk about? You know, your journey, um, landmark moments, um, um, special moments along the way. Let's see. No. Well, we used to have a little bit of a drinking problem. Don't drink anymore. Oh. About to celebrate 14 years sober. My God, 14 years. Yeah, it's that's uh, a long time. Congrats! It was about time to quit. <laughs> yeah, you had uh, rung the towel uh, enough, I guess. What's huh? another good milestone? Let's see. I got married in 2015, so I just had my sixth wedding anniversary. You've met my wife. Her name's Kara. She's Kara, yeah, lady, she's awesome. Yeah, beautiful, supportive woman. She challenges me intellectually. She makes me laugh. She. Uh, she, she made a beautiful child for us. That would be the other milestone. Is uh, Leona? She's a Leona is girl. is stunning. She, she, she just takes your breath away. She was just over Literally. here uh, a week ago or a couple weeks ago. She loves Uncle Andy for the Paul BQ. <laughs> Paul uh, Paul cooked over Uncle Andy. I love it. Yeah, let, let me know if you ever need help sitting or anything. Just um, I know a guy. <laughs> not me not me i'm just a little guy yeah man your your world has has i mean it's been what a year quite a year for you yeah well, um and then when did you meet kara originally we met in syracuse new york in 2010 and okay uh, i was working on a web series called the citizen which was about a, a, a subscribed citizen uh on youtube there you go um <laughs> like and subscribe and she was doing script supervising, and I was running camera, and, you know, this is all outside of any kind of structural... Oh, well, you guys met on anything. set. Yeah, we met. You met at work. making a movie, yeah. Wow. Um, I had I no mean, idea We were doing was... it for fun. Nobody was getting paid. It was all non... You know. Gotcha. 
but uh, we we bonded over filmmaking. Um, That's great. And I got to see her creative side, and I asked her if she wanted to go out with me, and she said yes. <laughs> Excellent. Cool, man. Well, I didn't know. I, I know you said she was like an environmental science background. Or she something. was going to school. She was a full-time student. She wow. was going for a master's degree at that point. And mm-hmm. We have a recovery background together. We're in 12-step programs together. Um, so we, we bond on that spiritual level, too. Uh, yeah. We bond on a creative level. Um, That's we great. bond on an animal level. <laughs> no. Do you bond on a bond level? Is she I a was bond? trying Is to tie a... it back. I was yeah. hoping you would pick up on that. Does she like Bond? She likes, uh, well, yeah, but not for the same reasons. We not for the same reasons. Do. You know, that's the fun thing about the franchise. It has a little something for everyone. Yeah. Shall we dive into Bond 25? Indeed. No Time to Die. Thank you for sharing your story, sir. I'm sure the more stories will pop in and out, but today we have the massive responsibility of talking about Bond 25, No Time to Die, which is so important, and we can't talk about this film without talking about at least all the other Daniel Craigs. <laughs> at least! <laughs> at least, and probably all other films in the canon. Um and no, and uh, never said never again. We'll probably sneak in. Oh sure, um, we could talk about the uh, Casino Royale. David, the uh, the David TV. Niven. Yeah, the TV. Uh, there was that forty-five minute TV one, right, with Barry yeah. Nelson. Barry Nelson from The Shining. No time to die. No time to die. Wow. Wow. No time to podcast about no time to die because we could go on and on and on. Where do we start? Where do we crack in? Um, I wrote a few questions down. Because I knew I was going to need some help on this one. Because, wow. Where do you begin? I just want to say, Daniel Craig is the man. <laughs> he is. He pours blood, sweat, and tears into this role. He's done it for... 15 years now. 15, 15 Yeah, so he was 37 when they made Casino Royale. And so now he's... Uh, 53. Um, but... Does he look better now? He is it just me, or does he now, just look better? Yeah. <laughs> How does maybe, he look better? Maybe the lines on his face are a little more pronounced, but I think he's actually more buff and. Can you see hotter. his biceps through the tuxedo? I think his biceps like... pop that tuxedo. I wonder how many, how many tuxedos did they ruin because his biceps just ripped right through them. When he's got the machine gun held up, you uh, know. Honestly, when I think I do, if I think of one moment, of, which is in multiple films just him with a giant machine gun like, oh, in the tuxedo low angle oh, yeah and he God. just he, pull, he like pulls it up and kind of cocks it behind his head and it's, it's fucking badass Beautiful. but yeah man daniel craig is amazing and uh we had the uh we had the luxury of watching an awesome doc that everyone needs to watch called being james bond it's on apple tv and uh i believe it's streaming on amazon as well but 45 minutes or so 46 46 love it Love your attention to detail. I would call it a Craig pod, uh, a Craig yeah. documentary more than a, it a is. Bond documentary. Yeah, it's called Being James Bond, but it's really about Daniel Craig's tenure. And I, I learned, I didn't know half the stuff. I, I, mean, I knew a few things because you know I like right. to do my homework. But you know. um, I didn't know that he really didn't want to do it. He didn't want to do it. They didn't want him to do it. 
The public didn't want him to do it. The fans yeah. didn't want him to do it. Nobody wanted him to do it. Nobody wanted him to do it. And when it, you know what, my favorite part, one of my favorite parts of that documentary was when the results, when the box office, when everything rolled in after Casino Royale, and oh, they all got to eat crow, eat their words. It yeah. works. Yeah, I didn't realize how much hate uh, Blonde Bond. James Blonde. James Blonde. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, exactly. I didn't know how much uh, resistance and obviously, you know, the internet internet troll culture yeah. was already in full swing by 2006. And, uh, you know, so we're coming off Pierce Brosnan, whom I'm a, I'm a big fan of. You can argue that not all the films were executed as well, but they they <laughs> knew that they had to change Bond, that they had to turn it on its head. And they knew, and uh, Barbara Broccoli, daughter of Albert Broccoli, who was kind of the, the main showrunner for a long time, um, talked about how they literally saw Daniel Craig walk. I love the story so it's much. Great story. He, he's in Elizabeth. He doesn't have he doesn't have a line in the moment. He walks towards camera in this like robe with like a cape behind him, and he just has this cold stare as he walks towards camera. And apparently, that was the moment where she was like, "We must have him." Yeah. And they reached out to him, and he's like, "What Bond? No, I don't know. Uh, what?" And they're like a trillion dollars, and he's like, "I don't know," and, you know. Uh, but I love that that was the the kind of origin story of Daniel Craig as Bond. Yeah. It was Elizabeth, and you could see it on his face that he was getting taken on this ride. He was like, "Okay, what do I do?" And they and they were grooming mm -hmm. him, and they were vetting him, and they were doing all these things, and yeah. And then it just sort of fell into place. I think, you know, it's probably the tuxedo and the Walter PPK and yeah, the, all the that outfit. stuff. Yeah. And it was like, there it is. And uh, I remember him saying that he had to attack the the physical, the physicality of it. Because they were like, we need to make it so physical and really crank up the action and really, really bring the intensity. Um, but we want it to be a colder, different approach. And we want to take all the tropes of Bond. Because you have 20 Bond movies at that point. So yeah. Casino Royale was the 21st, right? Correct. So... It's kind of cool that it's 21 and it's right. a casino. It works. That's yeah. pretty cool. Huh? Yeah, that's a little cool. Happy accident. <laughs> Blackjack. Blackjack, baby. But yeah, so they knew they wanted to kind of change it and put everything on its head. So by going with a different look, uh, kind of the blonde, blue-eyed uh, look. And even Daniel Craig's like, I'm a little rough. I love you. He's so humble. I mean, I think the man is so handsome. But he was like, I'm a little rough around the edges and blah, blah, blah. You know, he wasn't like your classic, like, just chiseled, handsome guy, you know. So they wanted to have a little colder approach, a little, uh, a little darker, a little more um, colder and, and darker and vibe. Which I guess they got all that from that one walk in Elizabeth. <laughs> They're like, that's it. So I, Craig said that really helped him because you know you think about the weight of twenty films. Twenty films. Um, in varying Before. degrees of quality, of course, but of quality. they all have something great going for them. Yeah, you're jumping into something that at that point was, uh, you know, let's see, Dr. No was 62, right? Mm -hmm. So 60, 62 to 2006, you know, you're already looking at 40, you know, going on 45 years. Well, if you say Die Another Day, which was the 19th, you would say that that came out in 2002. So there was a... a that four year 40 gap. years. Yeah, there yeah, was four that four-year gap mm -hmm. where I think they were really kind of trying to figure out the new direction. Mm -hmm. And it's funny when you go back in the franchise, they have this sort of history of every time they change actors, they sort of kind of reset everything. And they say, right. 
we're going to go back to basics and we're going to get grittier and we're going to down to earth and wow, we've gotten a little out of control with these gadgets and the fantastic nature of everything. Right. And if you've seen Die Another Day, <laughs> boy, did they do that. Oh, yeah. So I think that was, you know, definitely the reset that they needed. And uh, Yes, I agree. And, and the results speak for themselves. And I remember there was so much hate uh that craig and he's like of course i read it you know and i i read and i sat there at one he said one night he sat there online you know all night Ugh, and he couldn't God, sleep don't ever do it and he's like <laughs> yeah he's like i really wish i hadn't um but he was so cool about it and then he's like instead of instead of being like we're gonna get revenge like you said by making a great product he just said i'm gonna focus on this the script was unbelievable mm-hmm. and going back to the original novel by Ian yeah. fleming you know so what a great way to reset it by actually going because they had never done casino royale um, Dr. No is not the first book. So by going back to Bond Begins, literally, uh, what a cool way to do it. And he's like, the story was so solid. And after shooting even just for a week or two, he's like, I knew in my heart, and we all knew that we were doing something good. That was, this was special. He talked about his relationship with the director, Martin Campbell. Yeah, Martin Campbell. Amazing director. Who directed Goldeneye. Directed Goldeneye. Two, two totally different pieces. Really different, but same in the sense that when Pierce Brosnan came in after Timothy Dalton didn't quite work out, mm-hmm. Martin Campbell was instrumental in going, hey, let's figure out what's the bond of today, what's the bond of now, what's the film of now, you know? Yeah. Bond always has a way of sort of taking what's what's popular at the time and, and bringing it into Bond's world. Using the zeitgeist? The zeitgeist. Good word, good word. Thank you. I use it on my show, like... Every other word, <laughs> so get used to it. But even all the way back, you know, in the in the in the seventies, it was a lot about you know. I don't want to go too far back, but you know. No, let's do it. Uh, live and let die, for example. That's why I want to bring in your uh, your expertise, sir. Look at this, <laughs> talking about decades. Live and let die uh, took a lot of stuff from the black exploitation films that was mm. really popular at the time. Man with the Golden Gun did a lot with uh, Kung Fu and and. Um, energy crisis i guess britain had an energy crisis right at the time a lot about that yeah but, you know and on and on and on that's what bond does um yeah it evolves with with the times right um and takes what's great in cinema at that moment and i think martin campbell was really good at that um mm, and he understood amazing. you know he understood the action film he understood um i think he understood the producers i think he understood a lot of stuff so they gave him he gave them a real good product so yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was. He's a great. He's probably one of the best action direct, action directors. Oh, absolutely, for sure. Um, <clears throat> so Casino Royale was amazing, and um, it's your favorite, right? It is my favorite. It's your favorite Bond. Absolutely, my favorite Bond of all time. Of all time. Yeah, and Daniel Craig is your favorite Bond. Ooh, it's so hard. Yeah, there you go again, Mister. Tough questions. The tough Asking questions. the tough questions on the Andy Plus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll commit to that. Yeah, I love it, and a lot of people feel that way. Um, and I, and I remember being a Bond fan for a long time. Like I said, I started in the '90s, um, around uh, probably 11, 10, 11 uh, is when I jumped in. So I got to really uh, see how people reacted to the different eras. You know, Pierce Brosnan and then uh, Daniel Craig. Um, Sean Connery will always be my favorite. I, I, the first Bond movie I remember like hunting out and, and renting was Goldfinger. Mm. And it's still, I think it will always be my favorite Bond movie. Um, I love Goldfinger so much. I have seen it probably 40 times. I think it's just such a cool movie. But 
what makes Daniel Craig's era so cool, and I really think sets it apart, aside from the, the colder, calculating, you know, darker edge, is that there is a continuity between the films. There is. You know, you can say what you want about Quantum of Solace. It's definitely not a great follow-up to Casino. They they talk about it in the documentary. I love how they didn't sugarcoat it. They're like, we didn't have a script, which was a problematic. <laughs> there was a strike going on. There was a strike we going on. We did what we could. Yeah, we we tried. Uh, Daniel Craig's like, I'm not a writer, but I can throw myself into the stunts, and you know, he ended up, I guess, getting pretty hurt. But uh, if you look at that movie, the, the the action is intense and crazy. But what I love about Quantum, let's talk about what we love from things, and. I think which carries over in the other ones is that it is a carryover emotionally from Casino Royale. It is. With the Ava Green character. He's lost his love. He, uh, you know, talk about cold. Now he's like very yeah. cold. Wounded. Wounded. Wounded in a way that you can. And there it is again with the um, trying something new, going into uncharted territory. Yeah, let's try something new. Doing something they've done, never done with Bond, and that's. Yeah. A, a continuing story. Let's. It's a direct sequel. It's, uh, it's a direct sequel. We've got a great story here. Let's wrap it up. There's more, mm-hmm. and maybe we can open up some new doors along the way. So I love that. Quantum, while it may not have been the best, you know, film of of that of that moment, it did allow other things in the 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 broader sense of the plot. To right. Out. Yeah, yeah. It paved the way for for more stuff because I think people did like that element. That like, it's not just. Uh, you know, a weekly episodic, and the the girl from last time was forgotten, right. and uh, the villain was forgotten. Like there was there was a lingering carryover that you know haunted him, and affected his approach to his work and his life. And then we get to Skyfall, which I think is my second favorite of the five, and maybe my third favorite Bond movie. Um, and I just rewatched it a couple days ago, and my God, the movie Skyfall, man. It might even rival Casino Casino for me. I think Casino, <laughs> it's just it's just untouchable. Andy changing his mind in real time. Yeah, actually, uh, Casino Royale is definitely uh, not as good as Skyfall. No, but uh, Skyfall just, again, he literally falls out of the sky from being shot by his own agent on the train and is reborn. And he has to, like, you know, he barely gets the clear to, he had to basically, M had to, like, Passing through the, the the physical test so he could she get back lied. on. She may have told a little fib she about his have, uh... Judy Dench's <laughs> M man. I know oh, Queen Judy. She's a goddess. She's amazing. What a, what a, one of the best actresses. Do you do ever. spoilers on this podcast? Yeah, big talk spo- about okay, big spoilers. Yeah, big spoiler for Skyfall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's the nine years ago now. If you okay. yeah, we're, we already dropped dropped the uh, dropped the bomb about uh, Craig dying, which we, we will talk about soon, but. Um, killing Judy Dench was was such a powerful moment, um, and of course I cried, ugly cried again, and uh, losing her was 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 very was very sad. But I, I like that she you know she transcended the generational gap. She did, you know, which was great, you know. So she'd been I think they said 17 years she'd been with the franchise. Goldeneye. Since Goldeneye, yeah. So we got Goldeneye all the way through Skyfall. Um, what is that? Six, seven films? Seven films. She actually had a piece of dialogue in, in Goldeneye that said. If you think I'm afraid to send you to your death, I'm paraphrasing, but if you think I don't have the balls to send you to your death, try me. Love that. Like, I know, wow. she's just a badass. And I, I love in Skyfall how, the, you know, Ray finds is like, you should step down and keep your dignity. And she's like, oh, to hell with dignity. I'll quit when the job's done. Mm. And that was like, I, I, I literally got some goosebumps <laughs> from that one. Uh, and of course, Judy Dench delivered it like, 
basic. And I remember Daniel Craig was like, that was kind of a, an indicator that I had, I had made it. You know, like I worship Judy Dench, he said. And uh, getting to work with her, he was like, I cannot believe. Uh, you know, I, my, my career has blown my mind and I'm so lucky. I'm so fortunate to have worked in the films that I've had and had the career that I've had. And, but he was like, when I got to work with Judy Dench, like... That death scene was pretty, uh, pretty emotional. It was very emotional. All those unspoken things between them, I feel I like know. they were spoken. Um, yeah, and it was he was kind of like a mom figure. Did to you him. notice he called her mum? Yeah, through that movie. I think that's probably why. Call her that before. Mum. Yeah. Mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's Skyfall. Skyfall. Yeah, we, we could talk about it a lot, but we Skyfall really set what I think was the stage for. The trilogy that is Skyfall, Spectre, and then No Time to Die. So we get a new M. At the end, we get Ray Fiennes, who was in Skyfall, but he steps up as M. Uh, Rafe's amazing. Mallory. Yeah, exactly. And uh, he's great. We get Naomi Harris as Money Penny, who I've been a fan of since uh, Twenty Days Later. That's right. She was in that. Oh yeah, my God, yeah. Which was uh, episode four, if you want to go back. Oh no, episode three. Sorry, go back and. Uh, the anvil, the hammer had just come down on the anvil, and uh, we were all in lockdown. And I did the episode by myself. Whoa. It's my only one I did by myself. I did pretty good. I, did, I was like, "Oh, it's going to be five minutes long because it's just me." But I, <laughs> I think I went on for about an hour and a half. Gosh, but yeah, she looks exactly the same. She looks exactly the same. She is so beautiful. She is so good. So elegant. I uh, really hope that I, I'd like to think her job's secure for for oh, Money yeah. Penny coming back. Absolutely. She's a fantastic actress, and. Um, the dynamic between her and Bond, and the fact that she is so active, we get a, such an active Money Penny now. It's not just uh, she's in the field. She's in the field, and not just you know getting the the, the coat and the hat and uh, typing up the the notes outside M's office anymore. Like she's out there, and she literally shot Bond. She did, <laughs> uh, and she felt terrible about it. And he's like, um, was kind of you know being funny about it and he's like I don't know if I can handle your best uh, that wasn't your best shot well that's what ma made her decide to sit down and become M's secretary that's right maybe the field's not for me maybe this is lest we forget these are sort of what we we had been calling prequels right Casino Royale was mm -hmm. him getting his double O yeah Bond he's a begins. blunt instrument yeah. Bond begins yeah again with the uh, taking what's popular in film and and working it into the Bond universe, the idea of a shared universe—that's huge right now. That's what we're doing. It's yeah. the the tradition of doing that throughout the Bond the continuing universe, BCU, <laughs> the BCU. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then we get um, we get a new Q, um, who's younger, and he's kind of like, who's this guy that? What is his name? Ben Wishall. Ben Wishall, yeah, ben as Q, Wishall. who's such a great act actor. I've seen him in a lot of things now. He was in the new Mary Poppins. He was the the father, and I'm actually a really big fan of the new Mary Poppins. So that I thought it was really good. It. <laughs> it was really good. Um, but yeah, I mean, his cue is so good, and I loved how they went with a younger kind of set, like tech savvy computer hacker kind of, because that's really the, the modern vernacular. Right. Um, and you know, they don't they even said in no time to die. It's like we don't make exploding pens anymore. Like, <laughs> um, I I mean, who doesn't love the old cue and all the gadgets, and that will forever be. Uh... Hey, you want to talk about Bond getting over the top? It was when the gadgets start to get too heavy mm -hmm. that, that you start to lose sight of the character. I in, yeah. in my opinion, right, is that Bond uses his strength and he uses his training, and he thrives on danger and turns it into a way to escape. Mm -hmm. If you've got a pen or a watch that 
escapes for you. How fun is that? I mean, right. When the, when the movies suffer is when the movies that suffer are the movies that have too many gadgets. Yeah, yeah. You start to get a little lost in the Inspector Gadget. Dick, right. Dick or Tracy, maybe it's not yeah. quantity. It's not the amount of gadgets. It's just the, okay, I get trapped. Are you drowning? I, are yeah. you drowning it? Are you drowning I've the character? I've got a rebreather and then, yeah. Right. I, I agree. I think uh, by slimming it down, and he's got some toys. He does. Oh, absolutely. But um, still got the cars, still got the guns. But you're right. It's a lot of times it's, um, especially Skyfall and Casino, they really, really slim down yeah. the toys. Um, you could say Inspector that uh, that's when it started to kind of pick up again. They're like, I think it's something you actually said in a conversation leading up to today about how they um, they wanted it to be kind of more like fun again, a little like bring bring some of that back. Right. Um, now I just rewatched Spectre. I really like Spectre. I don't think it is nearly as strong as Skyfall, but I do like that it continues things that were introduced in Skyfall. We get you know Naomi Harris and Ben Wishall back. We get Ray Fiennes. Um, as his first movie as M. And uh, I really like the dynamic. It's much colder. There seems to be... I mean, they're always... You know, Judy Dench and Daniel Craig were always at odds, but uh, now it's almost like really feeling that, um, you know, they put each other in their place like over and over and over again, um, even in the new one. Um, you can tell they have, they have a, a mutual respect, but there's still like this very like, <laughs> like, don't mess with me. Um, you know, basically when uh, Ray Fine says, we've... You know, we thank you for your service again. Now go. You know, it's just like you're not that big of a deal. You know, kind of cutting down the ego a little bit. I, I found that that dynamic was really interesting. It was all leading towards Spectre, though. I mean, it's mm-hmm. still a component that's necessary in the overall story. And, yeah. and I agree. Spectre could have been a lot better. Yeah. Um, I mean, that opening, though. and uh, That opening. That opening. Oh, Let's talk about oh that opening, baby. Goodness. Mexico City. Oh, my gosh. What a great. And another thing that I learned from the documentary um, and you don't think about it when you watch the movie, but he's he, Daniel Craig's like my first major chunks in this movie were all exits and, and, and entrances. He had broken he was, his ankle. He had broken something. his ankle mm-hmm. and was acting on a broken ankle. They cut around a broken ankle. They cut around James Bond with a broken ankle. <laughs> and he said it was excruciating and one of the hardest challenges. I mean, just to do the movie with a broken ankle. I mean, that's. That's really. a testament to his work ethic and yeah. how committed he is to being James He's Bond. He's so committed. I know, and it was like, I feel like if we don't do this now, there was another strike looming. If we don't do this now, um, we're going to, uh, it might not happen, you know? So they just felt like they had to muscle through. But they were like, it was a happy accident with the ent- entrances and exits in the beginning because it has this kind of like, like he's kind of a ghost. And then he's in like the... He's in the um, you know the day of the, the day of the dead outfit you know mm-hmm. the skeleton top so he, hat and everything. yeah yeah he he almost is a, he is a specter yeah um, and then going back to Ernst Blofeld and Spectre which if you've been a Bond fan for as long as we have it's such a treat to to go back to the roots oh but that opening okay don't move away from oh that yeah let's, let's, right, let's back it up this great part okay and I just nerd yeah. out on these things because they're I love it. what makes the character beautiful okay so you remember. He goes to assassinate the guy. Mm-hmm. The rooftop comes away. Caves in. He slides yeah. down. He lands in the couch. Ooh. Okay, so <laughs> the chase, the chase, the chase. They end up on the train. He uh, uncouples the train, and he does that jump, and he somersaults and gets up and straightens his tie and keeps walking. And keeps going. And just that, that frame. That's so Bond. That's James Bond. That's James Bond. Yeah. Unflappable. No, I mean... Unflappable. unflappable what a and word that is just and he's just cold as ice and he's unfazed and he doesn't even break stride he's gonna catch that guy daniel craig and james bond are almost one in the same because he's committed he's gonna see it through 
and he's going to look good doing it. <laughs> yeah. And you have no idea that he has a broken ankle. And Spectre, while it had some weaknesses, there were tropes that had to be maintained. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's get in, let's go down to the hood about Spectre a little before um, absolutely we dive into uh, No Time to Die. So yeah, this this podcast is about like a lot of movies, but um, <laughs> you, you, with, a, with a legacy this long, you have to address it. And absolutely, I feel like the first half is really strong, um, and the performances are great. Everyone's amazing. Uh, it's not that the dialogue's bad. It's not that the action is obviously unbelievable. You know I'm, that Mexico City sequence, I think it might be, might Fantastic. rank as one of the better action sequences in the whole franchise, and a seamless one shot too. I mean, I know, <laughs> wow, right? You tell me where the cuts are. <laughs> yeah, there's probably a couple in there, but they are not yeah. easy to see. The the third act really suffers for me. I think it just kind of something about it kind of it sags. It, it sags, yeah. I agree. And what do you think that is? Do you think it's it was pacing or uh, hmm. or just I, I don't know? We finally get to the the pen ultimate, uh, not the pen ultimate, the ultimate villain. I mean, Ernst Blofeld is, you know... He's the he's the puppet master. He's, he's the, the one who's master. been doing all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... So it's like you get to him in a kind of a, this like lab out there in the middle of nowhere. It sags. It sags in a, in a sense that I think, and this is just my opinion, that they're really trying to build up to this huge reveal of who it is. Mm-hmm. When we all know who it we is. We all know. We all know. And the movie or at least is called, we're hoping. The movie is called Spectre. The movie is called Spectre. You know, so you hear Spectre, you know Blofeld's involved. And there's behind-the-scenes reasons for all of that. And most of mm-hmm. the fans, even the casual viewer, probably knows about, you know, copyright issues and who owns the rights to the name and blah, blah, blah. Right. None of that matters. I think when it goes, again, spoiler alert for Spectre, they jump the shark. And again, this is just my opinion, saying Bond and Blofeld are brothers, ooh, big mistake. Yeah. Because they spend all this time building up to that, and then they go one step further and say they're brothers. Yeah, and you're like, really? Bad move. Bad yeah. move. They don't need to be connected like that. I think, I think Chris Waltz is great, and he comes back in No Time to Die, and he's genuinely creepy. Genuinely. He's an he amazing actor. He's an amazing, amazing actor, and his portrayal of Blofeld is good. Um, but there was just something missing from was. the climax you can maybe even argue the back half is just something about it. Um, yeah, especially when, when they get to the, they get to the you know the, the lab layer. Well, it's all you have to. There's a trope, okay, and it goes there's back a trope to right the there. tropes. It has to the villain. He's you know he's you're in his lair. He's your you know he's your host. You're his guest. Uh, it's a trope that goes back to the '60s Doctor with Doctor No. Yeah, he's gonna show you his toys. He's gonna tell you his evil plan. And yeah. then, you know, he's going to interrogate you or kill you. He's going to monologue. Um, yeah, yeah. It had to be done. Yeah. I don't know why. It's satis- it scratched an itch as a fan to see that that here, that here gracious host. Yeah. And there's something really spooky and sinister about it. Right. Um, I like the way Bond broke out of the... Uh, uh, oh, my God. It's escaping me. What, uh, what was he going to do to him? Carve his... Uh, something... With a laser. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 right. Yeah, he's in the and chair. And his watch, and the watch falls. Maybe yeah, that's yeah. what it is. It, it could be what we were talking about earlier, where it felt too easy. He had a Yeah, it felt to too easy. Out, I mean, this, this guy's supposed to be, like, the, the biggest mastermind ever, and he, you know, again, a, tr- a trick, like a trick watch. Right, um, I mean, you know, it just felt like a little deus ex machina a little bit. Um, and to me, it harkened back to the torture scene from um, Casino Royale, you know, Ooh. with Mads Mikkelsen, who, as Le Chiffre, Le Chiffre. I've got an itch down there. I've got an itch. I mean, that scene is amazing. And it's brutal, but it's brutal, but it also is so Bond. 
And I just felt like this one came off as a much flatter torture to me. It really did. Than the Casino Royale. And moment. it was all supposed to be so... I, I think that's what it was, is they were telegraphing something bigger. And it was just what we all already knew. The cat came out and it goes, okay, there's the cat. Yeah, and the cat came out. he says his name. And that's cool. Oh, there's his name. And... Right. So it's like you're rebooting a franchise. Any you know? Yeah, yeah. It's like you're rebooting a franchise and then you're trying new things and then you're kind of just going back to the way it was. Like, missed opportunity. Yeah, missed opportunity. Terms like missed opportunity come yeah, to mind. Yeah, yeah. And I remember, um, so they begged, uh, they begged Martin Campbell to come back for a quantum. He didn't want to do it apparently. Or, or am I wrong about that? Uh, or maybe he was I, never the I player? don't know if he was able. I think because of the looming strike that nobody really wanted to make Nobody it. wanted to touch it. That's I don't it. know the details on You're that. right. I think nobody wanted to touch it. But Sam Mendes, who crushed it in Skyfall. Yeah, absolutely. And then they're like, oh, you want to come back? And he's like, I kind of felt like I already did it. <laughs> um, and I kind of killed it. And it's a great film. And then they brought him back again. And I feel like he just, I kind of feel like maybe his heart wasn't, 100% in it. I, mean, I think he did a fine job directing the film. I just don't think it missed, it lacked something that was so exciting about Skyfall that maybe the rebuilding of the franchise, you know, and getting new people involved. And now, and now it's, it kind of had the Quantum of Solace effect. It really did. Where it just felt like, eh. The last act just felt incomplete. They captured Blofeld and then it was done. Yeah, the, the writing wasn't as strong. The character stuff wasn't as strong. <laughs> you know what I thought? Andy? It wasn't, yeah. I thought there was going to be an explosion and it was going to burn his hair off. And he would be and bald. And he would be the bald Blofeld. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had the scar on the eye, the Donald Pleasance The Donald scar, Pleasance. And I thought they would do that. But, Donald um, Pleasance, man. What a legend. Oh, R.I.P. Donald big, Pleasance. Big Halloween. The last episode was Halloween Kills. and I like he, he literally appears in the movie. It's, it's pretty wild. Literally from beyond the grave but yeah it all it really did and 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 there's probably script issues or i'm sure there's some sort of reason for that and uh yeah i think well they said it about quantum in the doc uh, being james bond that he just the character wasn't there and we talked about it before character before plot you know absolutely. like you can have all the cool car sequences and and, and and action sequences but if the character stuff isn't there it it just it doesn't work and um, on another level, the fan service, it felt a little like fan service, where like right. this is, we're giving people what we think they want, and it, I don't know. Yeah. After Skyfall, and just, do you, you've got the bar set so The bar high. is so Such high. a good movie. How are Skyfall you going to top so that? Skyfall is so good. Skyfall is so, so good. The movies kind of suffer when they try to top each other, and that's yeah, what I was trying to yeah. talk about earlier. It's all throughout you have to do the, something new. the Bond throughout history of Bond they've always tried to top each other and then they go too far and then right. they scale back and then they go too far and then they scale back and it's great but I mean uh, a lot of franchises suffer that that that, uh, that syndrome where you know instead of like, like The Matrix for example not to get off Bond too long but The Matrix the first movie the story the plot the character and then okay they go back to do it again and instead of trying to top themselves with story and character and, and meaning, they just go for visual effects. Right. And it becomes this just out of control, over the top, you know. And who knows why that happens? Because you would think nobody, but who would know better than the filmmakers what made their film amazing in the first place? Right. They put all of this work into it. Yeah. And Screenwriting often, is hard. It is. <laughs> I know, I know. We, we both do it. It's not easy. And that blank page is laughing and That's and why I want to be an editor. That's the phase of writing I want to be in where I don't have to write. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you never have a blank you never have a blank page in editing unless they haven't shot anything yet. <laughs> in that case, you're still waiting to get the get the footage. But yeah, um what I do like about Spectre is I think it paved the way really, really, really well for uh 
for No Time to Die. No Time to Die. And I think we have, out of five films with Daniel Craig, I think we have three absolutely amazing movies. And two and I think, really good ones. <laughs> and two really good ones that are a lot of fun still. Um, that only aren't great because of the, uh, you know, the comparison. Quantum of Solace is sandwiched by Casino Royale and Skyfall, two of my favorite action you know, spy movies ever. Um, but this movie, and it's like, they can't end on a, they can't end on a weak note. And I feel like they knew it. And after Spectre, Craig was exhausted. He's like, I need a break. Um, and I can't believe it's been six years. I know. The year you got married, right? 2015. The year I got married. Congrats Indeed. again. So you knew the pressure was out of control high for this one. And then we didn't know if he was going to come back. And I remember everyone was like, are you going to come back? Are you going to come back? And he was like, I don't know. Like, I don't, you know, he got sick of being asked that question, but of course everyone was dying to know. So we were like, is he done? And I remember he wanted to be done, it sounded like. And then... Uh, With the news break on Colbert? Is that what yeah, the that's right. Said? Yeah. He finally said Colbert. a hard yes on Colbert. And yeah. I think Colbert gave him a big hug. And you could tell Colbert was a fan. Like, right on. Yeah. Good on you, Colbert. Good on you. Um, real quick, I want to talk about, in Skyfall, what made Javier Bardem such a good villain. Let's talk about villains for a second. Like, what... What made him such a good villain as not just an actor? Obviously, he's an incredible actor. He's creepy. He's amazing. There was kind of the, the homoerotic undertones, oh. which added such a creepy, awesome, great layer to they it. made a little noises. Yeah, they made the little noises. But his questioning of the system and, and targeting M and, and saying, you guys are the bad, the bad guys. That would be my answer to your question. Yeah. The best bad guy doesn't think he's a bad guy. Yes. He's a misunderstood guy. He's misunderstood. He has a vision. To me, that's what made him the most realistic villain. Mm-hmm. Is he's got a grudge. He's got an axe to grind. Yeah. And he thinks that he has to do something bad in order to achieve a greater good, which is where most good people get misguided. He's a misguided hero. He's misguided hero. <laughs> he could have been Bond in another life. He could have. He was an agent. He was, yeah. he was M's favorite. Yeah, he was M's favorite. He was an agent. Um, and oh. the parallel... Between, you know, talk about choices that you've made and what side of side of the law are you on. And think on your sins. Think on your sins. I mean, and it's, it, 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 what I love about it is it actually probes into heroes and villains in general. Like, are, are, the, are MI6 really always doing the right thing? Or, are, you know, is it, is it too far? Are they, are they, is it vulgar display of power having agents that can license to kill? I mean, yeah. and they're exploring all that and the ethics of it. And, and they get under the hood of that whole landscape of like man are we even are we outdated are we are, are we equipped to combat the new generation of of bad guy if we are the bad guy and really kind of calling out the corruption that was there you know so to Martin's me character was a product of mi6 yeah was their sin so to speak their sin you know that yeah. you one could argue that the greater villain would be mi6's misguided uh, attempts at what, what what was the subplot like? The guy who surveilled them right. ended up being the real bad guy or whatever. Right, right, right. Yeah, kind of the like a little bit of the Patriot Act kind of going on, like you know, people being spied on and domestic um, surveillance. Yeah, it's like is that where, where's the line with that? You know, is that going? You know, are we really the the heroes here? And I I think that to me is so good. Yeah, so good. Ray Fiennes had a great line. It was like you you used to look your enemy in the eye. Yes. Now we don't have to. That was a great line. That is amazing. Oh, man, that got me goosebumps, yeah. too. 
Ooh, me too. Man, just, just goosebumping like crazy <laughs> on that this or one. Is it freezing in here. Yeah, sorry. The, uh, it's, I've got the air, the AC on. I don't know why it's cold today. It's LA cold. It's LA cold. I it's mean, down I, to sixty-five. My East Coast listeners are like you guys are just a bunch of pansies. It's yeah, a chilling sixty-five. <laughs> but hey, when that uh, when that breeze kicks in, oh, feels like great. sixty-two. Absolutely great. Yeah, I love, I love I love this time of the year. It keeps getting kind of hot again. I'm like, no, summer, go away. I love this crisp air. And, and it's going to be a red Christmas or an orange Christmas. It's going to be an orange Christmas. So yeah, um, so I feel like that was another thing about Blofeld. Like after Javier Bardem, it just was like, oh, another like like you said. I think you kind of nailed it on the head with like just kind of going back to the the old tropes again. Yeah, and it just didn't. You know, it wasn't that Waltz is a bad actor. It's just. It wasn't as interesting, you know? Maybe. Now, here's just a maybe. Because I feel like they had rough story beats already for all five films. Mm -hmm. I feel like before you're done with Spectre, you already know what's going to happen in the next film. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Maybe they were just kind of moving past. Because one would think that that would be the end point of the whole arc. It's almost like the events of No Time to Die are the real sort of culmination it felt anticlimactic because it wasn't the climax because it wasn't the climax it wasn't yeah that's what i feel like specter so yeah i mean you watch every film and it has to kind of stand on its own hind legs indeed but out of all the bond movies no time to die really felt like a climax it did a he died right which Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, guys. I'm still crying. Um, I just... I, I don't know, man. No body, no death. That's what I learned. <laughs> no body, no death? I, I don't know. So, He's gotten out of tougher scrapes than this. Sounds like something a serial killer would say. I mean, denial. That's one of the phases of grief is denial. <laughs> no, actually, I have you to thank because um, you <clears throat> saw the movie before I did, and I think I kind of knew that he died. And it's called No Time to Die, and I, I, I kind of just felt it. Um, and I knew Daniel Craig was done, and what better way to, to exit... Um, and what a great way to end it. What a, what a nod to him to kill him. You know, first Bond to die. But you were kind of like, oh, yeah, well, they can still, they're still going to keep going. And, and I was like, oh, maybe he didn't die then. So I was still kind of questioning. It's something you said. You were like, oh, well. He sacrifices himself. He it's sacrifices. not just a death. It's not he just a death. He chooses. He could have left that island. He could have. He mm. does sacrifice himself. And the gut-wrenching fact, you can see it on his face when he when he realizes he would never be able to touch his loved ones these newfound yeah. loved ones he found the love within himself and then found all these loved ones found out he had a daughter found it's all happening to him it's all happening man and then because of the uh, Her- the uh heracles um weapon he finds out he can't ever physically touch his child or or his 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 woman yeah and to be honest maybe that's between that and i've done everything i wanted to do right uh, he chose to die. So he that, chose death. That tells me he is yeah. probably actually dead. Yeah, because James Bond is a touchy guy. You know, he, <laughs> he is literally a hands-on. He will put hands on you. <laughs> he, yeah, not just in that sense, but. <laughs> He's put hands on a lot of people. You know what I mean? The 70s. Woo. I know, right? Oh, that was a, a really scaled back on those. If we're going to talk about tropes. Mm-hmm. Uh, because those yeah, ones they in the did. 70s, man, he not only does he sleep with a lot of women, but he murders a lot of people. Yeah. He's got a license to kill. He's not afraid, He's to, not use afraid it. to use he it. He 
indiscriminately murders people. I mean, I think in No Time to Die, he kills like 40 henchmen like at the end sequence. Right, but, but he's not he's so brazen. To, but they're attacking him, and he's, exactly. yeah. And he's, uh, I love that whole fight sequence, like coming around the corners and the doors and the hallways there. Oh, great. So good, and keeping it tighter and closer to the chest. Absolutely. But I really liked what you said about, you know, it's like James Bond is literally a man of action. You know, he he puts his hands on everything he does. He throws himself. He's very hands-on. So to create a kryptonite for him essentially would be something that would stop you from being able to interact and touch your loved ones. Now that he does have loved ones. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Leah Sidhu playing Madeline. Um, amazing. Amazing. And she did the, great. the kind of betrayal in the beginning that ended up not being a betrayal oh. with the crypt sequence. I mean, talk about a cold open too. Wow. Oh, it got that cold open got hot. Quick. That was a hot cold open. Do you remember when they shoot him in the shoulder and he goes, "What the fuck?" Like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. What? He's like, "What?" Yeah. And, and dude, when he gets blown up in the crypt, su- that is. And then from then on, filmmaking. I mean, oh god, breakneck speed. The Aston Martin, the motorcycles. You know, so elements we've had in the past, but putting them all together in a way, and then putting them in the car together. Mm-hmm. Um, Madeline uh, and Daniel Craig are so electric together, yeah, and they're working it out. Did you do it? Did you betray me? Did you yeah, not betray right, me? Right, right, right. It's Ugh. like kind of this perfect thing. He's ready to kind of walk away. He's ready to, you know. I like that he's retired. Yeah. And then it's it's Felix Leiter and the CIA that bring him back in. I and <laughs> again, a totally different approach, right? Yeah. He's kind of working for the CIA, sort of. Pretty much. For like, would that be a double agent or double entendre? <laughs> double. <laughs> Uh, yeah. He's not 007, that's for sure. Yeah, that oh my god. an interesting twist. Yeah, okay, so we have Lashana Lynch as 007, who's so great. And to make A, make her a woman, you know, um, and then there's this kind of like teasing. And then, and then she's like, you can have it back. I cried at that part, man. Yeah. And he's like, all right, fine. He's like, it's just a number, but it means so much. So... She's she literally around. been replaced. She did, right? Like, yeah. she was kind of... I did not like her when she first got introduced. Oh, you're not supposed to. No. Because she represents, so you know... She's like, oh, you're a dinosaur. You've been replaced. and um, I'll shoot you in your knee. The one that works. The one that works. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. That's great. She took some shots at him. She took some shots. Definitely. Oh, absolutely. Literal and figurative. Yeah, and he comes in, and M's like, you're old news, baby. And, and he's like, literally have another 007, and she's awesome. Get the hell out of here. You know, and it's great. That was literally in the script. That was literally <laughs> right from the, uh, the script. But yeah, so talking about doing things fresh and doing things new, this movie had so many firsts. Absolutely. So many absolute fucking firsts. And I was just getting excited talking about it. And, and playing with the tropes. And killing Bond. Making him... F- uh, actually, you know, he loved Ava Green, but the carryover of the love that he feels for uh, Madeline. And then learning he has a daughter, like you said. Uh, he's really laying roots. Um, the virus that... It's really not a virus. It's nanobots, which, you know, talking about uh, First Contact. Wow. Um, you know, what a, what a cool... Um, you know, I, I, I keep hearing about nanotechnology is actually really coming along, and they think that it's going to really be this powerful way to combat you know cancer oh, and viruses and, and and a whole new way a whole new approach to medicine yeah and i actually read a, i read a thing i don't know if there's any truth to it but they might be able to stop aging with nanotechnology if you can oh, get in there and 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 help replenish the cells and the organs i don't know andy we'll see life is precious because it ends because it ends i believe that okay star trek generations mm, that is the thing that makes <laughs> us that's why we do the most with our life because yeah. it's going to end well, I'll just do a lot more than you. That's all. Well, there you go. Yeah, that's the. <laughs> no, no, that's another can of worms. But Saffin, 
How do you say his first name? Uh, it almost looks like Lucifer. I know. I'm looking at it now on IMDb. It's Lucifer. L Y U, which is already I'm, I'm already stumped. Lucifer. 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 Yeah, you're right. It is very. But Lucifer. it's not Lucifer. I'll tell you that right now. No, but you know what? I think you're onto something because let's talk about him as a villain. Um, Remy Malek is scary. He appears in the movie before Bond, uh, when uh, Madeline is young, and he's uh, attacking her in her home, kills her mom, uh, emerges in the creepiest mask ever. I'm like, is, is this a horror movie? Like, I believe he intends to kill a child in a very scary mask. <laughs> in a very scary mask. Um, the ice sequence really freaked me out. It brought me back to a good son, Macaulay Culkin, where he kills the girl and. I, I can't I, I, ice sequences where people are gonna fall through the ice. It's just I'm like that's oh, my God, Achilles right? heel. I like almost and the fast forwarded under the ice on oh, him. Oh God, yeah, that and then intercutting, great. watching her trapped underneath, and and he yeah, at, for, at first I, I'm like, oh, she's just gonna die because he's just gonna shoot her with the machine gun through the through the ice, but actually ends up freeing her and and letting her go, which was a really interesting choice, mm-hmm. but only because he wanted her to grow up and then snatch it all away later, but. Very wounded villain, uh, as you said, damaged, hurt. Um, his father was, uh, or his family was killed by M- Madeline's father, right? Mysterious Mr. White. Mysterious Mr. White, who we never see. Oh, no, we see him. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. Not in this film, but no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't see it in this he has film. some great dialogue. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's really cool. But um, Remy Malik as a villain, interesting? Absolutely. Yeah. Why? I know we've already started talking to... about it, but why do you think he's so good? Why do you think he's such a good villain? I wanted to get your opinion on this before okay. I answer your question. Got it. The mask. Mm. Okay, this is a totally... Do you think there was more than one mask? Or is it that same expression? Because I got the feeling hmm. throughout that opening sequence, through the cold open, that wow. that mask had different expressions on it. Or was there only... Don't cheat! <laughs> oh no! I'm just. I thought you were gonna look it up. No, I'm just making sure That's we're recording. That's an interesting question. Uh, it turns out I wasn't recording this whole time. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh my god! This son of a gun just made me pee. I know. Isn't um, that the, that's the most horrifying. Sorry, that was mean. <laughs> I was like, I'm recording, right? No, yeah. that was fun. That was fun. <laughs> Anyways, do you think it was more than one match? I did you get the feeling? Didn't. I'd, well, it was a testament to how great the sequence was. Yeah. Because it almost looked like the mask had different expressions. So I've watched the movie twice now, and I did not catch that either time. I did not notice a change in expression. For a second, it just looked different. Huh. Is that that editing? Um, What is it? The Sergei Eisenstein uh, effect or whatever? I think it was like transmogrifying the... Oh, I don't know. Well, there's a word. Anyway, Remy Malek. What made him a good villain? Yeah, why was um, Safin so good? I mean, so it's like, all right, you're going to kill Bond. You're going to have to have a villain that, that, you know, is basically... He Lex was Luther. committed. He was committed. He was patient. He was calculated. His cadence was very slow, and he was had a slow way of speaking. And whenever he's on screen, it just he was deliberate. You bringing it down. Yeah. Um, Remy Malek is so intense, and he's so, it was such a good choice. Uh-huh. I'm so glad he he got to be a villain in Bond because I think he crushed it. I think he might have actually murdered it. I mean, <laughs> literally, he may have literally crushed something. Yeah. Uh, um, there were some fan theories that he was uh, a proto version of Dr. No. I was really glad that that mm-hmm. didn't pan out. Yeah, and he's like, the real name's No, Dr. No. Right. <laughs> and they're like, really? Um, How about Dr. No, it isn't? Um, 
Yeah. Well, so let's talk about him and what he wanted to do. I actually don't feel like I fully wrap my head around what he wanted to do. It sounded like he wanted to kind of just kind of thanos on to control the population. Yeah. There's too many of us. So in his eyes, again, villain, good villains don't see themselves as villains. Nope. They're not like, oh, I'm bad. And again, a good villain believes that everything has to be destroyed so something new can grow. Right. Again, it's Thanos or it's a lot of yeah. DC Comics villains. Mm-hmm. Or, it's classic you know, stuff. It's classic stuff. Yeah, and he's like, you're just another you know, angry man in a line of very angry men or whatever. And and he's like, I'm not twisted, angry, I'm just passionate. <laughs> but there's a twisted logic to it. Like, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I know. Like, maybe this new humanity might actually be better, you know, right. but the cost of so much life. And the the way the nanobots get into you for life. Yeah. Which is why he ended up killing himself because he got him on him at the very end. So, and then he, he kills Malik and then it's just him on the island. He decides to just let the missiles hit him, the missile strike, which I can't get the image of Bond no. blowing up out of uh. my brain. But there was a beauty to it. He kind of looked up, like you said, he embraced it. He didn't yeah. He didn't say, oh God, these missiles are about to kill my ass. Like, he I've had a great He kind of almost puts his arms out like in Titanic or something. Like, it's like this. Um, Bond's got to die. At least he died like that. Yeah, yeah. What a beautiful, poetic way to kill Bond. Not just him slipping and falling off of a railing and then dying, you know, or whatever. Like, you know, during an action sequence. Like, the millions of times he almost died. But. I found a poetry to the way Saffin died myself. Mm. Because after all of his calculated everything, he just got shot. He was, he, it was a simple execution that he didn't die this, this snore. And there, again, against the tropes, trying something new. The villain didn't get this big grand death. He didn't get this just huge overture of some kind. Bond just went, okay, you killed me. Well, bop, bop, bop. Yeah, he's like, he's on you forever now. And then he yeah. just shoots him. Just shoots him. And then like it. lays him down in the, in the water. Because um, so, again, like Inspector, let's, let's, Let's look at things that were similar but different. Wow, Spectre doing a lot of heavy lifting in this podcast. Yeah, man, we really, <laughs> we really are actually. Maybe it's better than we thought. Don't have. I hope it's okay. <laughs> no, we're doing fine. But yeah, so again, we go to the layer, right? So there's that trope. We uh-huh. go, we go to the the island, the mysterious island that Remy Malik's on, with his army. Um, but they did so many things differently. A, bring the daughter, bring the girlfriend. Um, the missile strike coming. So we knew we, we knew we had this ticking clock of this missile strike, which I think really drove that was some of that missing inspector, you know? Yeah. Uh, there was this ticking clock, this ramping crescendo climax. Um, and then getting to see Bond and Remy Malik just have this conversation, you know? Yeah. Again, a trope. Like you said, come over to my house. I'm the villain in a <laughs> Bond movie. my stuff. Yeah, here, I'll get you something to drink. You probably shouldn't trust it, but... But then turning everything on its head... And getting into him accusing him of being a maniac, and he's like, really, I'm just, I'm really, I really, truly think, and his delivery was very plain and very honest, and that slow cadence that he has, which I think is great, of, I'm just passionate, I just want to help humanity, Mm -hmm. you know, so again, who's, who's in the right, you know, obviously it's easy to write off mass murders as not being in the right, but good villains, they get in your head, and they, they propose, like Thanos, you're like, all right, well, he kind of... Oh, he's kind of he, got a point. kind of <laughs> got a point. Maybe there are just too many of us, you know. I don't want to be the, the half that gets wiped out, but... Um, Who's to decide? That's the, that's that's, the bottom line. That's the bottom Who's line. Who's to decide? It. 
Killed it. And that is where Safin went wrong. It's like it's not for us to decide. Yeah, we're not gods. We are not gods. We're not like who arbiters right. of someone else's behavior. Um, mm. And and everything. It all come, when it anything born of this heartache of losing your family, this wounded. You have to be allowed to. That's where Bond's arc and Safin's arc is different. Right. You know, that's where Bond's arc and Blofeld's arc or anything that you have to be a broken person getting fixed. You have mm. to be, there has to be redemption. There has to be nothing. I don't know, not to get too hippy dippy or anything. No, let's keep going. Nothing begets hatred, but more hatred. Nothing begets darkness, but more darkness. Right. You know, nothing fights darkness, but light. Nothing fights mm-hmm. hate, but love. You know, there, you can't, mm-hmm. anything born of hate will die of hate. Right. I love that. That's why you're just in a long line of sad, angry little men. <laughs> yeah, great. I'm not angry. I'm just passionate. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I agree. And uh, it was it was so interesting. And I love the opening with Malik and then it come, coming full circle. And yeah, yeah, he's broken and he's wounded and um, totally... World-weary through the whole World-weary. Wow. World-weary. Just, oh, yeah. This is all so exhausting. I know. It's like you're so tired. Dude. <laughs> I think you need a nap, man. And he's like, his, you know, they really, the makeup on his face, making them all like, you know, burnt and, and beat up. And you could just, literal scars and emotional scars, you right. know, mirroring each other. I thought that was really well done. And um, man, I love that scene where it's just the two of them, you know. Of course, the guards were there, but uh, that that whole thing is just so intense. And the buildup was so good. Uh, yeah, uh, Randy Malick. Not a lot of screen time in that movie. Not a lot of screen huh? time, but man, when he's on screen, it's electrifying. He he's just he really such is. a presence. I'm I'm such a fan of his. Uh, I, I think he's such a good actor, and um, you can love love seeing him in all kinds of things. Did you ever watch Mr. Robot? Mr. Robot's great. Yeah. Did I just say Mr. Robot? Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot. Are you a fan of Mr. <laughs> Robot? Fucking Rod Serling. <laughs> Robot. <laughs> yeah. The Twilight Zone. <laughs> a lot of great actors in general in this movie. I mean, a lot of people do in career. Ray Fiennes, is, when is he not awesome? I yeah, mean, yeah, actually. Once upon a time, he'd have made a great James Bond. I, I think, know, you know, I love him, man. And catch him in the 90s. Yeah, and uh, his his reading of, of the poem at the end yeah. um, about Bond, about, like, I used my time. I did not try to prolong it. Right. You know, man, that really hit me in the gut. It did. I mean, it like, he could have just been like, yeah, he saved a lot of lives and he sacrificed himself, blah, blah, blah. But he made it about, like, choices of life and, and you know, again, going back to extending life or, 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 you know, playing games or manipulating or playing God. Like, James Bond lived his life to the literal fullest. Mm-hmm. And when it was over, when he couldn't touch anyone again or be around his loved ones, he said, that's it. Everything that's my time. or nothing. Everything or nothing. All in. Did you know that's what E.ON stands for? No. Eon, Eon Productions. Yeah, E-O-N. E-O-N. Right? Everything oh or nothing. So Eon Productions is basically, they they run Bond. They were what we would consider an independent film today. Eon Productions, or Dan Jag, or whatever it's called. Right. The Bond franchise wow. is probably the first thing that you could call a franchise. I don't think the term franchise even existed. Huh. You know what I mean? They had this great thing. They had a series of Never books. Never of that. They had an actor. They had, I mean, a lot of the things we see common everyday place started there, you know, where, okay, huh. we've, we've got this, this opportunity to open up this whole universe, 
pretty common uh, phrase to use these days. Yeah, right. Like we're talking about ECUs and stuff. And we'll keep making it and we'll see what we got. Huh. And, uh, I never thought of it as the first franchise. You started this podcast with Goldfinger. And then Goldfinger is always going to be the, the kind of the, the yardstick that they, all the rest of them get measured by. And I think mm-hmm. the Craig ones kind of diverted from that and said, you know what? Let's just fucking make, excuse my language. That's all good. Are you, is, are you working blue here? Is this, I noticed your podcast is very. No, I've already cursed, I think. Have you? Okay, I think I I've said fuck mom. once or twice. Don't you tell my mom and I won't tell yours. I won't tell my mom or your mom. I, mean, I think the Craig yes, podcast, the, the Craig podcast. The Craig films were the worst. The first ones to say, hey, let's let's stop trying to top ourselves. Let's stop trying to make a great, let's just make good movies. We need a, fre- we need a breath of fresh air. We need a breath of fresh air. We need to, let's let's go back to the basics. Back to the basics. And uh, and they nailed it. And um, I can't believe Craig's done. I'm sad. I is love- he? Is he? Who knows? I mean, he's not done as an actor, but yeah, I, mean, I know. They're just like, you know what, I'm back. I'm back. It's fine. They just like clone him or something. Or who knows? Maybe they'd talk him into. That's what I love about Daniel Craig because I'm glad we watched that that thing because I now we know he can't be enticed with money. Yeah. They can't. Oh, he could come back if they give him enough money. No way, man. They offered that guy so much money. He's rich. No. Yeah, he's he has he's I think he's netted somewhere between 100 and 150 million. It was never films. about the money. It yeah. was never about the fame. I think he said that. He's like, I've got celebrity. I've yeah. got money. I'm not doing yeah. it for that. Mm-hmm. He's doing it oh man, that whole part character. about the fame and how at first yeah. it was really choking him, and he, he hated it. He didn't like it. He, he didn't want it. He felt like a caged animal. He's like, I never went out. <laughs> I never. I felt like I didn't live my life. And it wasn't until he'd done a play with Hugh Jackman, oddly enough, also was I guess floating around being consideration for Bond. But the two of them got to do a show together, and he was like, Hugh loved being famous. And after every show, he would he he loved the fans. Hugh Jackman taught him how to be famous. Taught him how to be famous. I thought that was so good. Instead of seeing it as this, like, oh, God, I'm, I'm, I'm sick and I have this illness. Right. I'm famous. People want to look at me. And he's like, I have people staring into my windows at home and stuff like that. I'm sure there's definitely some creep um, elements. But uh, he poured himself into – we watched Hugh every day. He said every night, three, four hours after the show, he would yeah. be signing autographs and, and hugging people and, and, and talking to everybody. He said he would, couldn't get enough of it. And he said, I threw myself into it like Hugh did, and I became – I fell in love with it, and I now I have a whole different respect for fame and and yeah they're like well you walk you're walking away from a lot of money and fame and he's like well I'm, I have both now so <laughs> you know what I mean and it's not like he's done as an actor I mean if you think about all the actors having kind of already I mean he was he was rising in the in the early aughts but uh, he had done so much already he had and it was such kind of counter type to to give him that role. Well, that's what that documentary said, is that he yeah. hadn't really ever done anything like it. Right. Um, I think a lot of actors were turned off, if we're going to talk about, you know, Jackman possibly being Bond, um, or why he wasn't Bond. A lot of people were turned off by the character that got offered the character, is because they thought they weren't going to get to do anything else. Yeah, there would be a kind of career... Daniel Craig still did a lot of other stuff. I know, I he mean, was he really been busy the whole movies. 15 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just with Bond. Right. What a powerhouse, man. Like. Yeah. All kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. Yeah, Defiance. Knives Out. Knives. Oh, yeah, Knives Out. I, I think they're going to the, the do something more with that character, right? Yeah, yeah, so no. Uh, probably next on the docket. I think they him. might make a trilogy out of that. Um, and seeing Anna de Armas uh, back with Daniel Craig in this one was really cool. As a <sighs> Knives Out fan, I really love Knives Out. It's been two years now. Actually, my mom and dad came out 
uh, two Thanksgivings ago, and my mom's birthday is December 1st, yesterday. Happy birthday, Paula. Happy birthday, Andy's mom. <laughs> and uh, she was like, I want to see this movie in the theater. And I'm like, oh my God, I love when my parents get excited about movies in the theater, because they don't really much anymore, but she was like, I actually read something about this movie, and I took, him to, I took her to go see Knives Out in the theater. Where'd you see it? Uh, we went to the Grove. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I really... Uh, Such a communal experience, going to the movies. It really right? is, man. And that was right before the pandemic. That's probably my last, like, Knives pre-pandemic. Out. Like, just, the theater was in love with it. My parents loved it. We couldn't stop talking about it after. We talked and talked and talked. Could have done a podcast on it with them. <laughs> well, um, and Bond invented the franchise. Bond might have invented the event movie. Let's huh. go out. The new James Bond movie's coming right. out. Let's go see it. Yeah. They got this, uh, he's gonna, I don't know, he's... He's going to the moon. Yeah, yeah. What's he going to get up <laughs> what, to this how's time? How's he going to get out of this pickle? <laughs> yeah, it's true. You could say that um, a lot of people credit Jaws with being the first like popcorn movie, like summer blockbuster. But, uh, you know, it, it happened to be summer. Right. And it was a, a blockbuster. But uh, I really think you're right. I, I really think. And they were cracking those movies out like once a year. Right. 62, Dr. No. 63, From Russia With Love. 64, Goldfinger. 65 Thunderball. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. One a year? That's crazy. That's wild. I mean, yeah. granted, you know, the productions have ramped up more and more and more, but man, those those were involved. They films. were pretty involved back then. They were involved, man. The underwater stuff in Thunderball? <coughs> I watched a little bit insane. of Yeah. That's out of control. <laughs> and I still don't know. I'm talking about wanting to like see how they did that. I mean, some of the stuff with sharks, some of the stuff with uh, oh, what was it? Oh, Geez, some of the aerial stuff, the jetpack. Oh, on yeah. the cutting edge of technology. Yeah. yeah, it looks corny to us now, but I mean, that jetpack in Thunderball, that's a real jetpack. It's pretty <laughs> sick, man. How is it not burning your and legs you said, off? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, you have like a butt protector. Yeah. Um, that pocket, uh, not pocket, but like a, a, a little helicopter that you could build it right on the spot and take off little Nelly from You Only Live Twice. Oh, You Only Live Twice, which is, um, I think, maybe my... Second or third favorite Bond movie. Probably third favorite Bond movie. I love that one. Blofeld, yeah. back. Um, and it uh, used the, to be standalone things. The I spear mean, gun. You sent me the scene. I think you got the point. <laughs> I think you got the point. That's Thunderball, right? That's Thunderball. Yeah, Thunderball. Uh, man, yeah, I mean, anyway, I just saw um, no, uh, Last Night in Soho, Edgar Wright. Yeah. And uh, Thunderball is in the trailer, which was like, oh, now I know what year this is, 1965. On Your Majesty's Secret Service, Edgar Wright's favorite film. One of his favorites. <sighs> is that right? Oh, absolutely. Huh. Go look in the background of some of the... I'd never seen the film, but I know that some of the art department had to find all these original posters, and one of them was uh, Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Wow. Really good film. Underrated movie. Yeah. Yeah. They took some chances for that. I really liked that one. To get married and have this whole art. I thought Lazenby was really good, too. If there's anything that the old movies lack, it's any kind of arc. It's any kind of look into who James Bond is. That was the whole point. Yeah. He kind of has Fle- this uh, vacuum, vacu- uh, what's it, vacuous? That's why Ian Fleming picked the name. James Bond was the most boring, innocuous name he He's the everyman of. or whatever? Yeah, he's yeah. everyone and no one. He's everyone and no one. That would make him a good spy, wouldn't it? Yeah. But not a very interesting character. So you've read the books? Uh, everything, I've read, I can't think of the one I haven't read. There's a thing of short stories, I think it's called uh, Property of a Lady or something like that. Huh. Uh, but yeah, everything but one. I know you have a copy of uh, Casino Royale, which I want to borrow. It's yours to borrow. When I started the audiobook years ago, and I never finished it, but I really was enjoying it a lot. Um, but I remember the documentary saying that 
the novels did have more of an arc. They did. So that was actually a change to the kind of like story of the week where, you know, he'll never mention the girl from last time. He'll never mention, you know, the villain from last time. It's, it's like it could be, you could pick up anywhere. Which probably was a good thing in a way, because, you know... People for could, the move, for the for, success of the film. For the fi- financial... Yeah, people would just jump right in anywhere. Well, it's for the first rule of show business is give people what they want. This is what yeah. the audience wants. They want bigger, louder, more explosions, more uh, women, more, you know, kills, more whatever. Um, I yeah. don't think the books would necessarily have made the most compelling movies. Yeah, obviously it's a massive medium uh, jump. You know. the, the, the Spy Who Loved Me is literally written from the point of view of the woman. Mm. And it's in a cabin. And she's waiting for James Bond to come and talking about all the things. Huh. It has nothing. The, the, as the character, as the movies went on, they got further and further away from the books. Most of them are just share in name only. Yeah. Uh, a few little things here and there. Um, so, Paul, you went back and watched one from every Bond, right? I did. Which ones did you pick? And why? I watched Thunderball because I hadn't seen it in a while. Mm-hmm. And it's the one directly after Goldfinger. So I feel like that's the one where they worked the hardest. Oh. And that's the one where the character really started to take shape. Mm. Because they landed on Goldfinger kind of on accident. Um, and then built on that. So I thought that would be an interesting choice. That's great. As far as Roger Moore, I watched For Your Eyes Only. Nice. Which is the one directly after Moonraker. Which is, I believe was the point that they jump the shark and say, yeah okay what are we doing we got a pigeon doing a double take and yeah you can tell star wars completely star ridiculous. wars really um complete like i was saying earlier it's always motivated by whatever's popular at the time Usually right it informs the movie a lot yeah they really really and they didn't get a new actor to reboot the character the way they usually would they just said hey we got real this in let's get back more into realism let's get back more into um what you know telling a good story um let's just get away from the fantastical stuff a lot less gadgets too god how many what, does so it's kind have of have any gadgets it was kind of a mid well i guess there was that one and then one more after it was video kill after that one two more two more okay so he wait he did seven he would be the second uh let's see live and let die the man with the golden gun the spy who loved me moonraker for your eyes only octopussy a view to a view to a kill yeah so seven. seven yeah he did seven wow which is more than Connery, if you don't count, never say never again. Which we don't. Which we don't. It's not, <laughs> it's not Aeon. Uh, so, yeah. So you picked that one because you felt, all right, that's when they did kind of Bond Begins almost. Where they, they're like, all right, we need to go back to the basics more. A little less what people loved about the character and a little more what people love about the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is just a good espionage story. A yeah. good kind of action film. Um, and it has some romantic moments. Yeah, it for does. sure. I mean, Bond's a bit of a romantic character. It'll, you know, men want to be him and women want to be with him. And, you know, that's... And then I watched Goldeneye, uh, which was the first Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, I, definitely my favorite Brosnan. I watched The Living Daylights. No, no, I'm sorry. I watched License to Kill. License Other, to uh, Kill, which man, doesn't get a lot of talk. We could do Timothy Dalton. Have we Timothy even mentioned Dalton. him once? Uh, no. <laughs> I yeah. thought he made a good... I think he was almost the proto-Daniel Craig. Oh. I think what they were going for with Dalton is what they ended up getting with Craig. How they so? were like, well, just something a little grittier, somebody a little mm-hmm. darker, somebody with a little more um, menace. You know, reeling it back in a little. Yeah. A little uh, mm. But that had kind of an inner, 
I always got the feeling James Bond, if he could, if he went to confession or something, say he was Catholic, he would be a sad guy who felt bad about what he did. He drinks a lot, you know. He womanizes. He uh, he probably has a lot of guilt. He's killed a lot of. People. He's killed a lot of people. He's killed like he's like a mass murderer. I think, think what they were going for with <laughs> Timothy Dalton is what they ended up getting with with huh. Craig. I've never heard that. Um, just just a theory. So license to kill really doesn't get a lot of talk. And I remember, I, I feel like they played it on the 13 Days of 007 growing up, but I feel like that one really never... They leaned more on Living Daylights. But there is a really sinister darkness to it's License to Kill. It's got some violence. It's a lot of torture. Pretty, yeah. You know? Uh, it, well, the sharks? Um, the Joel Silver action film was really in vogue at mm. the time. It's the Lethal Weapons and the mm. Diehards and... I think it was. Yes, yeah, so this was 80, like 89, a, if I recall. 88 or 89. Yeah, yeah. I think it was 89. It was 87 was Living Daylights, and then uh, 89. Robert Davi. I love Robert Davi as an mm. actor. I just think he's a cool He's dude. great. Man, uh, so, how did it hold up for you? Which one? A Lessons to Kill. Uh, it, it would. It, it. <laughs> Which one's better for you, uh, Living Daylights or Lessons to Kill? I prefer Living Daylights. Yeah, me too. That's a tight. Spy story. It's got a lot of good. It's more fun dagger. too. It's more fun. I want to have fun. The, I want the darkness. The cello player. I mean, she's amazing. Right. Skiing um, down the side of a mountain in a cello. Come on. Oh, I mean, really? How do you beat that? And then uh, using the, you know, using the bald tires to uh, like cut the ice. <laughs> like that's sick. Well, and the uh, Olivia Dabo. She was a, a, a one of the first times I can remember seeing like the the woman that he's with really do something and she saved him a couple of yeah times. yeah more active more female active female and yeah. not just this rescue me damsel this in distress helpless. yeah exactly i mean god you know uh, the 70s were not good with that which stuff. madeline i feel like embodies that oh, so well and, right? and then so many of the girls you know um the girls really yeah it's you, you go back and uh it's a little obviously there's a couple of movies product there. of the yeah. times yeah yeah for sure times yeah for sure um there's a lot of you know, Pussy Galore was awesome. I mean, and she turns out to be bad, but, uh, you know, there were so many characters that were, like, active females, but there was plenty of kind of, like you said, you know, uh, arm <laughs> candy, uh, you know, and I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad oh, things have matured. Oh, and the double entendre names, I'm glad that yeah. the Craig's kind of leaned Yeah, even, you know, I just said Pussy Galore go. out loud, and I'm like, there was literally a character in a major film called Pussy Galore. Oh, you don't think Holly Goodhead is worse? <laughs> she was a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Dr. Holly Goodhead. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he goes, really? <laughs> and he has to say, really? Really? Uh, Chew me from You Only Live Twice. Chew me. Like, come on. Oh, my God. She's very sexy food. Uh, I actually love that movie, but yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I love what you said there, making the, the girl say, she say Bond. Yeah. You know, that's awesome. It's a team. And I really felt like that about No Time to Die, to kind of bring it back to No Time to Die, um, where... They were such a team, and granted, there's the there's the fake out betrayal, and then they break up, and then but then they do get back together, and it's so powerful, and that's why the emotional arcs are there. That is an arc. It's, it's couples a major have arc. misunderstandings, couples have rifts. That was that created a schism. I like stories about broken people getting fixed, mm. and in the end, that was the thing that I feel like made the character feel like he came all the way, and he can die now. He can die now because he's he fixed. Fixed what was broken. Wow. Um, in his life. He kind of got it. He, the, uh, yeah, the rest of his life would just be them on a ranch, like, talking. You know? Well, the spy craft and the, all that stuff. You could tell he was done with all that stuff. He's going to go to Jamaica and chill out, man. And drink uh, drink my Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smoke I mean. delectados. <laughs> 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 he's 
Yeah, the, the no, next Bond film was just him like, fishing for two hours. I would watch it. I <laughs> Me would too. watch it gladly. That's all good. Just getting back rubs from uh, Madeline and Matilde becomes a badass. Um, so do you think Matilde might be the new Bond? I, uh, we could cross our fingers. I think that would be so cool. Keep it in the family. Matilde Bond. Who does not lead to it? I think keeping it in the family is what the franchise has always been about. Yeah. With good and bad results. Um, it's always been a family affair. I mean, uh, after Saltzman bounced, it was Albert Broccoli. And when Albert Broccoli got old, he, you know, I think people loved working for Albert Broccoli. Is what I've always read. And when he was done and he retired, he gave it to his daughter. Yeah, um, Barbara. And Michael G. Wilson, I think, is related to someone. I, it, the name escape uh, who exactly escapes me. Oh. But I know that family's real important in there. I think he might be married to one. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, they like working with the same people. The Neil Purvis and Robert Wade. They always bring in the same writers. They like to bring in the same crew. They like to. I think. Um, oh yeah, making Daniel Craig a producer here. He's, he got a co-producer right. credit in this one. Making those ties more important than money or the studio or the whatever. I think that's what the movies are about behind the camera and in front of it too. Yeah. In the end, didn't M and Money Penny and Q watching them all huddled around? You know, uh. They were all working together. You didn't see that was unprecedented, Andy. To see mm. that felt more like a family than like an organization. Yeah, yeah. Whatever uh, MI six is really left of it now, who knows? Right. But I mean, that became secondary to rescuing Bond, who had been rescuing everyone his whole career. He's the rescuer. He's the now rescuer. He needs to be rescued. His his watch is poignant, ended. man. Yeah, poignant. that's powerful it's stuff. Really ending. well said, man. There's Thank two you, uh, there's two Wilsons here. We have a Greg Wilson. And we have a Michael G. Wilson. Michael G. Wilson is the producer. And uh, Greg Wilson's associate. I don't know who Greg Wilson is. Um, oh, yeah, he started License to Kill, 89. There you go. Your boy. <laughs> I think he's uh, done a few cameos, too. I think I saw him. For Your Eyes uh, Only, Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah. He, uh, cameo as an actor a couple times, I think. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Let's see here. Actor, 19 credits. No Time to Die, military officer at Spectre Party, uncredited. Oh, wow! Inspector Man in Corridor when M and C meet, uncredited. Oh, man, you want to talk about good old Paul Bear and Skyfall. tropes that fucking Spectre Party when the cameras oh, flying yeah. around the room. All those colorful characters. That was awesome, all those, man. Those, those ne'er-do-wells and undesirables. Yeah. What a great, what a bunch <sighs> of great-looking mugs, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Chewing cigars and eye patches and robot arms and shit. I love that stuff, man. That's what's fun about. Oh my god, he was in Goldfinger. So yeah, you're right. It's, you he's serious? he's going back all the way. I did not. Soldier know that. at Fort Knox. Goldfinger. What was, he? what was he? A drummer boy? He must have been twelve god. years old. Yeah, he was only twenty-two. Oh, oh he's a bit on the older side. Huh? He's born in forty-two. New York, New. Michael G. Wilson. What a what thanks, a Michael G. Wilson. Yeah, thank you so much. So I think if we're going to talk about the future of the franchise, I'd say just as long as the right people are still behind the camera, then they'll make the right choices. Mm. Who do you, do we, you want to do some speculation uh, next actor? Uh, real quick. Real quick. I want to wrap this up, huh? Uh, I have no, you know, I'm usually better at keeping it on the clock and I'm just, I can't this time because you know what? We're talking about Bond. We're talking about 60 years next year. Yeah. Right. So this is going to be a 60-year long. Movies. Yeah, we, this, this episode is going to be 60 years long. And uh, 15 books and one cartoon. I mean... Oh, my God. A lot of stuff. Yeah, look at you. Uh, well, I want to mention the director of this film. And I know there was a lot of drama with No Time to Die. So uh, his name's Kerry Fukunaga. And um, he is... 
he's definitely up and coming, you know, and I really thought it was a great choice. I know it was going to be um, Danny Boyle, Danny Boyle, and I. There was some drama there. I don't you know what happened. 28 Days Later. Odd. Oh, yeah, you're right. Quick little time. Yeah, I love Danny Boyle. And he would have been a really interesting choice. But I love seeing kind of fresh blood step in. Yeah. And I really think he did a great job. So, yeah, Beasts of No Nation, Sin Nombre. I mean, you know, a lot of TV. The True Alienist. Detective. True Detective. Um, so I really thought, what a great way to approach it with a fresh eye. Um, and I really thought he nailed it. And the action was great. Um, I was almost like, maybe bring Sam Mendes back again, but... Um, How are you going to get a fresh take without a fresh eye? I mean, that's maybe that's mm. a lot of the, 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 the finished product shows. Mm-hmm. Um, the franchise history has been marked with a lot of the same guy doing the same thing, and that, that familiarity being the, 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 the strength of the series, and maybe that's not necessarily a good thing to get the same thing every time. Maybe yeah. Maybe. Mm, really well said. Do the same thing and get a different result is pretty impossible. <laughs> what is that definition of insanity? When Doing you're the same thing over and over and, and expecting, expecting a different result? Yes. Oh! Brilliant. Well, you had it on the ready. Uh, but yeah, so let's talk about it. I personally, my vote, if, you know, Andy Myrano vote, if I got a vote, which I don't, but um, I would say Matilde Bond, baby. Matilde Bond. You got the I'll blue eyes. It. You got Give it to me. Daniel Craig's daughter. Um, looks like him, kind of, uh, you know, um, Madeline is hurt from Bond's absence and, um, to honor his legacy, you know, starts to train the up and coming, kind of like that show Hannah or that movie Hannah. I, I, you know, I, I loved that movie. That yeah, me too. Good. I, and I, I love it. I played on the, tr- the tropes of, um, you know, against tropes again, you know, a really fresh take. Go with a lady, go with a killer kid lady you know it's there There's a it's lot there. there and it, it, it manages to carry the legacy and like you said keep it in the family and, and then uh you know the, the lineage so to me emotionally what a great way to honor daniel craig as bond instead of just resetting bond again so there's a new bond and they just kind of like what how do they approach that because i really i really don't want them to recast naomi harris i hope ray fines comes back um you know, Q comes back. I really want those guys to stay. So, I don't know. If you're going to reboot it, what, total clean house? You know, start over? Because mm. are those guys going to remind us of Daniel Craig? Or, or I don't know. What, what, question. what are the conversations that are happening? So, post-credit scene, or post-credit, James Bond will return, right? And it, <laughs> they it, it, used to always do that. It wasn't, it wasn't Matilde Bond, right? No. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, James Bond is James Bond. So, if you change... To somebody else, is it still James Bond? I don't, I don't know. We're getting we're getting really uh, metaphysical here, but uh, that's that's my hope. What do you think? What do you want? I don't know. I'm I I I'm so satisfied. I am so satisfied. I'm so satisfied. I'm honestly, like, honestly, I, I it kind of sounds strange saying it, and I think this is the first time I'm going to say it. But I could just if this was a Let period on the sentence, it's yeah. over. You know, you've done twenty five. Um, and ended Absolutely. on an amazing and you note. Ended on such an amazing, amazing note. actor. Why keep it going? Yeah. If there's one thing I'm getting out of film school is that the next generation of filmmakers, that the next set of creatives, has to not look back mm. for what's good. That we've got enough of that. I mean, we live yeah. in a more more than ever. We've got reboots, pre-existing franchises with built-in fan bases, and all this stuff. Yeah. We need to f- take old stories and make them new somehow. Yeah. I think you, I you just have to watch them just so you know to be different. 
you know. Exactly. But the second, obviously, we're all we're all children of the generation before. We're all products of the generation before. But but we're dealing with with modern times and you know new, like you said, the new zeitgeist, and um, so it has to adapt and change. But how do you maintain what makes it Bond to a degree? But then but the DNA of the franchise enough so that it has the continuation, but is also different. And I think that's always the that's always the tightrope yeah. walk that you always have to do. Um, you know, when, when, when he said, uh, you know, it's like, oh, shaking, uh, how would you like your martini? He's like, does it look like I give a damn? Like, that was <laughs> such a way of saying it in the script. Yep. Like, this is not your dad's bond. You knew what you were, yeah, you knew what you were in for when you heard that line. Do it look like I give a damn? You know, I, that's probably my favorite line from, from a Bond movie. I, I, I think it's so cool. I mean, every time he says Bond, James Bond, I mean, I get a little... Yeah, but my nipples really perk out a little. <laughs> <laughs> um, so <laughs> this movie grossed 756 million worldwide against a modest budget of between 250 and 300 million. Christ on a cracker. So it's like, yeah, movies that expensive. If they don't have a hundred million dollar opening weekend, then they're it's considered a flop already. Um, and I want to say this movie opened early October. I'm going to say October 4th, mm-hmm. which I was. You know, balls deep in Halloween still, and I'm like, I'm watching nothing but horror until Halloween. So can we can we push this? I didn't end up watching it until um, just well, new- a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> the release date changed what three times? Nineteen times. Yeah, yeah. That <laughs> and uh, that and Ghostbusters Afterlife. It was like they shot this thing in 2019. Um, looks like spring into fall of 2019. It was like a six month shoot, seventh month shoot. That makes the numbers that much more impressive, though. Yeah, um, and it. It actually defied. I remember it was a big deal on IMDb. They're like, it defied the pandemic. You know, like you're looking at pre-pandemic box Those office. are good pre-pandemic numbers. Those are good pre-pandemic numbers. <laughs> period. Yeah, these are good numbers. Good numbers. Period. Um, so I am so happy that obviously the people were there. The people came out. You know, I think, you know, Daniel Craig. People recognize him as a major contributing factor, and uh, you know, they... I for one am excited. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, please. I'm just excited to see what he does next. Yeah, me too. As, as an actor, I yeah, mean, he's got a lot of other things. I know. He's got. A, he's a ultra versatile actor. He's a committed actor. If there's one thing that we've been talking about, it's that he goes all the way with it. I'm yeah. excited to see what he does next. Me too, man. I really am. Um, yeah. So, man, ah, this is beautiful. All right. Well, we have done a very impressive thing in my opinion i agree um and we knew going into this one that we couldn't just talk about this one and we knew yeah. we knew we had our uh, work cut out it's a lot us. to unpack yeah how many so you watched eight bond films in how many days three and you were, <laughs> you are now a dad you're in school 40 hours a day you know you have a wife 40 hours a day 40 hours a week 40 hours a day baby <laughs> eight days a week. i sleep four hours a week and, uh, yeah, what are you averaging sleep was? You think these days? Uh, about two and a half hours at a time. Man, you look great. How do you Thanks. do? I feel like if I if I don't get eight hours, I feel it like for days. I I am actually like I want to be you know more of a filmmaker. I want to be on set more. I like how do people do it? Coffee? I mean, I don't know. Coffee. Coffee. That's why the, I remember reading something that a director said um, that you you know you're gonna you're not gonna sleep. You know, you're going to be on set at 4 a.m. And if you're not making it for you, then don't do it. Right. You know, because like that burning passion to make it just has to be there. It won't get you through the day. It won't it get won't. you. Yeah, you can't. You can't All cap. the fucking money in the world. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Does not matter. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, Thank it was you. the director of Die Hard said that um, in Predator. I'm spacing on his name right now. Help me out. John McTiernan. John McTiernan. Thank you. Uh, love those both those films so much. They're two of my favorite action movies. But he's like, you, you're going to be there four in the morning, not having slept. It's going to be a million problems. So if you don't have a burning, deep passion to make this thing, it's just... Yeah. I'm at an age where I've done a lot of other things for a career. Mm-hmm. And I keep coming back to, we started this podcast. You asked me why I was here and mm-hmm. why I'm doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. It's because I love it. I've tried other things and I can't in good conscience do other jobs. Mm. It's the only thing I can imagine doing with the rest of my life. However long that is, mm. is creating. It's being a part of this crazy business of show. Uh, working <laughs> with guys like you doing things like this. Oh, man. Um, where have I got you. you, brother? Well, thank you so much for carving out some time, Paul. For, uh, Paul Gonzalez. We're shaking hands right we are, now. Yeah, you can, can this you hear, is not a visual medium. Yeah, can you hear the handshake? <laughs> Thanks for having me. Paul Gonzalez. I am, speaking of being excited to look at what you know what's, what's coming down the pike, uh, I'm really pumped about what you got cooking. Thanks, Andy. And uh, I hope to work with you uh, a lot more, sir. I'd be honored as well. Yeah, and really, thank you for putting in the uh, the elbow grease here on uh, Bond. I know you love him. I do. Um but still. Tune in next week for our Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow podcast. <laughs> wow. I did not expect to hear that name ever again. I was trying to be random. Yeah. That's hilarious. All right, guys. Thank you so much. If you haven't seen No Time to Die, sorry to spoil it, but please watch it. It's awesome. It's amazing. And what a what a legacy here of these five films. Wow. I'm honored to have witnessed them unfold. Do you have a closing line for the podcast? Uh, the closing line is, uh, bye. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. All right. Love y'all. Thanks so much.